0: Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, January 29th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all today. Phone lines are open. Jump in and join us. Let me give you that phone number, because that's still up in the air every day. But uh, we are on our backup system, which we used most of last week. Here's the number, 855-950-3835. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Brent Hutto will be joining me for Rates and Lanes. Find out what's going on in the freight world. In the meantime, we've... uh We've got open phone lines. The phone number today, 855-950-3835. You can also use the call-in button on your app. Um, I I know we've been dealing with a lot of technical issues and interruptions, and that's probably going to continue for another week or so. Hopefully not much more than that. Uh, One, when we start testing our own software, we'll test it as much as possible offline. But it's kind of like that... uh, military saying no no plan survives the first shot that seems to be what happens here we plan and test and then the first shot happens and we're scrambling so uh, a couple more weeks of this I'm going to be testing different audio setups on my end and we'll be testing the broadcast software as well so be patient we'll try to get through this and put this behind us hopefully soon Uh, I had some things, uh, yeah, maybe I'll talk about these. I've got some calls coming in. I want to get to those. Um, I I was a little shocked over uh, last Friday and over the weekend. I saw these reports of uh, what's going on in Texas, the border issue. We've got, uh, the last time I checked, like 27 states are sending support or National Guard troops to Texas for a conflict against the federal government. Man, this sounds um, a little on the crazy side. But then they started talking about this protest, mostly led by the trucking community, but it's supposedly going to be joined by all kinds of vehicles and people and first responders, and I saw all kinds of crazy stuff. Somebody actually estimated that there were going to be 700,000 vehicles i have no idea where the hell they came up with that number i mean that this just kind of started becoming a thing last week as far as i know who managed to to pull that number out of their ass and did they even think about it somebody did the math if it, originally somebody said 700,000 trucks would be in it now. They're saying seven hundred thousand vehicles, but if it were trucks, somebody did the math. Um, that line of trucks with a little bit of space in between them would stretch from Texas to New York. We would take about a third of all the capacity of trucking off the streets. the The economy would be chaos. Uh, that's not going to happen. Who, I, like I said, I don't know who came up with that crazy number. But uh, the other weird thing is I, I saw more being talked about it on Friday. I got up this morning expecting to find a lot of news on this, and I didn't see hardly anything today. So I'm not sure what's happening with that. Um, something else I've been watching that the mainstream media isn't covering very well, speaking of this kind of a protest here in this country Um, France, Germany and Belgium have some pretty massive protests going on. Uh, Farmers, mostly in these countries, they're being supported by um, the trucking industry and other people. And and these are pretty massive protests in these countries that are really shutting things down. Like I said, the mainstream media doesn't seem to be reporting much on those. Uh, We'll keep an eye on that. other than that, I think I'm gonna jump into the calls. Um I had some other things I may bring those up later, but the phones are starting to ring. Mark, good morning. Hey, good morning. What's uh what's I, on I your mind to tell, today?
1: Uh, okay, uh so let me get to the point. The point is uh I'm I I did a tweet yesterday, uh and I tagged you in it. So there's that guy that that uh he was the guy that raised hell with TQL about the eight thousand dollars and painted oh, yeah. the truck and all that. So he went on uh, he went on uh that one of those Facebook pages where they all kinda believe what they believe. It's not it's not the N O O A or whatever. But anyway, so uh, I'm like this guy was raising hell about being blackballed and uh so I looked at his name and I googled it and it came up to who he was. And so I posted that article and I said, uh you don't have a very good reputation. Well, he came back and said, I didn't know what I was talking about, blah, blah, blah. So I blocked him, whatever. Anyway, so the point is, if you're, and now I've got a comment about a video of a broker I'll listen to. Sure. The point is, if you're going to sit there and raise hell and make everything public about your customer, even though you don't think it's your customer, word's going to get around, and people are not going to want to do business with you. And that's what these people are doing. So there's this broker that I, I posted a video of several months ago with that woman that you said you had trouble listening to, but she had a good point. You just yeah. kind of like how she talked or whatever. Right. Anyway, she put out a video the other day, and she was talking about how these people – come to the you know they want to know what the rate is with with her customers and she's like we've had lawyers check this they have lawyers check this there's two transactions the transaction between me and my customer and the transaction between me and you and you don't have the right to know what my transaction with my customer is because most of my customers make me sign an nda that i won't discuss rates because they're tired of dealing with people like the person she was talking to that they don't want to deal with people. They they're tired of people showing up at their at their uh, places of business and demanding to know what the rates are, and being unprofessional. So they they just they want to have a uh, a relationship with me and not you. And my relationship is with you, but to, and, and I only disclose have to disclose what
0: I. hate hey, hey am, Mark. I'm paying hey, you, Mark. Yeah, go ahead. You, you know what you're describing here you are describing the way every other business and industry works. Every one of them work that way. Here's where where this got screwed up. And it's funny because I was going to kind of bitch about the FMCSA today because of how many things they are constantly screwing up. I can't think of a single thing that the FMCSA has gotten right. And it's way worse than what we ever thought. When we find out that only 6% of carriers have have the required audit they're supposed to have after all these years. That is insanity to have numbers that poor. When we look at the drug testing program, now I see the the federal government is about to cancel 15,000 medical certifications um, for whoever is doing the DOT physicals these days, doctors, chiropractors, whoever. The FMCSA had some weird program the, the the practitioners aren't following through on something, and now the FMCSA is going to cancel 15,000 of them. Look, I, I get it. These doctors should have done something, and they didn't do it. But when you have that massive of a failure in a program like this, you have to look at the program itself. You can't blame all 15,000 doctors. Something is horribly wrong about that program. They're trying to screw with the CPAP program. Uh, sleep apnea program again which is a total money grab and and just a total scam the fmcsa is an absolute mess and this whole argument about whether or not the carrier gets to see this rate stems from the fmcsa leaving that in when they changed the when they deregulated financially deregulated the industry they left that in there they never should have that 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 clause makes no sense whatsoever. It's never going to work in the real world, and we see that. The, the brokers write contracts to get around this. They just ignore it. There's no way to enforce this. It, it should have never been in there because now these carriers who don't understand how business works, they don't understand supply and demand. They don't understand business runs on relationships and customer service. They clearly don't understand that because they run around acting like they don't have a customer. They want to claim that the broker is not their customer, and then when I ask them who is, they they stutter and stammer because they don't know, and then sometimes they say, well, the shipper, except the shipper does not want a relationship with you. That's why they use a broker. So they just completely misunderstand the whole system, and then they fall back on this clause, well, the FMCSA says we're allowed to see it. You're right, it does. It said that for decades, and nobody can enforce this, and it doesn't work in the real world. but this is why we still have this argument because of that stupid clause that they left in there
1: yeah they uh they they these people you know you said a long time ago people should there are certain people that should not be in business, and if you can't develop a relationship with your customer and and they don't and they uh you know what? Let's see. I'm trying to think. What is she going to say about the, these people? It's like they don't understand. They don't understand how to be a bit. They, they act like drivers. They don't act like business owners. And I've said that they just they 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 complain about things they shouldn't complain about instead of focusing on the, what they should focus on, which is running their business. You know, uh, and they. They don't do that, and it's a it's a it's a bad it's 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 bad all across the industry because they feel like they're entitled to know. Uh, and here's and here's the point you made. You've made this point. These companies have so many loads and so many warehouses all across the country. They don't want to have a shipping department, so they can hire one person to be their shipping department. Whereas, instead of having to pay taxes on all these employees, and and they can just and and uh, trucks and you know dispatchers or whatever, they can they can outsource it. And that's what they've done. They want to outsource and, it. They and, don't
0: want to have a a shipping department. And and let's talk about business so, in general on that topic: outsourcing. That has been a trend for decades and it makes total sense. Businesses have been taught, rightfully so, to focus on what they call your core competency. What are you really good at? Why are you in business? Focus all of your time and energy on that and outsource everything that isn't directly related to that. So printing, you know, nobody runs their own printing department. We outsource that kind of stuff. It it used to be, I can remember when I started in this industry because I I was going out to these shipping departments to try to get freight. A lot of these companies back then had huge shipping departments. Lots of people on phones all day long trying to arrange trucking. And that has gone away, and that's why the broker industry has exploded over that time, because it works better. But this is not some kind of strange phenomenon. Companies outsource almost everything anymore that isn't what they do. And it works. It creates whole new industries, which is good for our economy. Business runs smoother because everybody is focused on what they're really good at. Um, We seem to be one of the few industries that is fighting back against this. And it comes back to this broker issue. Um, and, And most of our small business owners in this industry not understanding how business works. Well, it must be Monday. Uh, I have no idea why I lost my phone connection there. Uh, I, I may know I bumped a piece of equipment here in the studio, and it lost its connection for a second, and that was enough to trigger uh, my connection with the phone system, which I just learned something. So the first time was because I switched mics, This time was because I don't think I had, when I switched mics, I don't think I had this new cable in tight enough, and I bumped it. So it seems like any interruption between the mic and the phone system requires me to restart my connection. So at least maybe I learned something from that, and we will go back to the phones um, and see if it's working. Let's go to Michigan. Mick, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. All right. Well, at least I learned something. Boy, uh, I feel like uh, going back to bed and starting over this week. But uh, what's on your mind today?
2: Okay. Well, just a, I don't know. If this might open up a whole bag of worms, but um, I've got a gallbladder question, and I thought I'd comment on your FMCSA thing too. So, which one, which do you want first?
0: Uh, <laughs> let's do the. Let's stick with the FMCSA, and then we'll move on.
2: All right. Well, my thing is, I am convinced at this point even that you got to look at all of this stuff through the prism of the federal government act actively trying to destroy our country i i hate to sound like i'm just giving up but that's the only thing that makes sense i i just even a couple weeks ago when you were talking with david owen you know and you know everything's stupid at what point do we these are not stupid people? We stop calling them stupid and get angry,
0: yeah, and honestly, if I'm not going to call them stupid, I'd have to call them evil
2: I know, and I, I know I really hate to go there, but I just it's the only logical thing left hey hey Mick, and we don't uh, we don't have anyone on our side. I mean, look at our so called new speaker, all the things he said he would never do, and they just keep happening at. We, we have, I don't know, i like to say it, I don't want to give up, but man.
0: You know, one of the notes I had here that I was thinking about talking about on my open, and then I decided not to because it is a little out there. I mean, I'll take what topic you brought up and, and I'll up you easily. I, I never thought there would come a day where I was sitting down doing my show notes, getting ready to figure out what I was going to talk about. And one of my possibilities was, I, I doubt that there has ever, let me think back, been a time in this country where we were, and I, and it's weird to even say this, but, but it's got to be said, um, we seem to be very, very close to both a world war and a civil war at the same time
2: yeah and and that is another hope and i don't know if you follow this wendy patterson on, on twitter but she's somebody that i i don't know i i just like the way she writes things and she seems to be a pretty good researcher but you know if they're talking about you know breaking us they they actually want a civil war so they can break up into these world regions for their new world uh, you know i don't know it's just so out there and but you know, and then that's, you know, try to redistribute the wealth, which is why they're bringing in all the immigrants and things like that, you know, and they're trying to balance the world, you know, with uh, hey, rich hey, and poor, I guess.
0: Let, let, <laughs> let's be real about this. There, There is nothing um, good. About what they're doing with immigrants, lot that, that—that is not for the immigrants' sake. They are not doing that to try to make the world a, a better place and more fair to these third-world countries. It is clear what they're doing, and countries, first-world countries all around the world, are doing this—not just the U.S., Ireland right, being overrun, exactly. yeah. the, the European That's countries, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's it, the world, not just. It is a world thing, and this is about control, not helping anybody else. You allow this many immigrants into our country, and those people are far easier to control than you and I yeah, the other thing I feel
2: like with us as Americans, especially in the middle class we've got we've got stuff to lose, so we're kind of afraid to stick our neck out there, you know we've got enough that we're no one wants to give up their comfort, and and so I, I anyway, I, I just, I don't even know what to do there, but I just, I, I kind of get annoyed when we keep calling people these these guys stupid because my they're God. not, they're actively doing things, and yeah, so exactly. that was not my point, I guess, on that, and I'm not, not criticizing you about it, I'm just saying that that's, no, I, 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 I don't know,
0: I'm with you on this one. Hey, I want to go back to something that uh, I was trying to talk to Mark about this, but he wasn't hearing me. Uh, Mark said he's got this broker that he follows. It's a woman. And I listened to one of her videos one day, and I said it was hard for me to listen. It's interesting. I read an article about this this morning. Uh, Words to me and and the way you say things and deliver things and, and communicate, that's obviously important to me. It's what I do all day long. So, I, so yep. I, I, th- I'm sensitive to this, and I'm probably oversensitive to it. But there's actually, a, th- this article is now claiming that this manner of speech that I'm about to describe, and it's what this woman broker does when she makes videos. I'm sure it's how she talks all day long. For some reason, this is making me insane. But I guess this is a thing now and they're, they're claiming it's being driven by TikTok, that people are changing their speech patterns, and there are two clear patterns that make me insane when I have to listen to it. And the first one is when your voice rises at the end of a sentence, and we normally do that when we're asking a question. But people uh, yeah. now do it when they're making statements, and the fir- it, it messes with my brain because that sounded like you ended a question, but you didn't. You just ended a statement. Our voice, normal people, the way we've always spoken English— When we finish a sentence that is not a question, it's a statement, our voice goes down at the end. That indicates we're kind of finished with the sentence. When we ask a question, our voice goes up at the end, and that indicates we just asked a question and finished it. Except now people go up at the end of all of their sentences, and you can't tell whether they're asking a question or making a statement. And it starts to sound like this weird sing song kind of thing where every sentence goes up at the end, and then the other one um, the first time I heard this phrase i 'm like, "What is that? The phrase is called vocal fry, and what happens with vocal fry, and I think you no know, i I know women do this way more, and i don 't know if it's it was them trying to sound more authoritative. But vocal fry is where you, I, I can't even do it. I mean, I could probably do it if I really tried. But it's, it's where you, you speak so low and slow that your voice actually starts to like vibrate. It, it's this weird, if you listen, and like I said, a lot of women do this. Oh. It, it makes their voice sound a little deeper. But it's just this really annoying speech pattern that just makes me insane. And like I said, if I start listening to videos and somebody does this, I I just turn it off. I I don't know why it messes with my brain so much. But I guess this is now a thing, and they're actually claiming this is the way we will all speak in the future.
2: Is that, you think it's an AI thing, or we're no. being
0: trained somehow, or we're doing it on purpose? or It's not an AI thing, because it's been happening for over a decade. But w- okay. what I've noticed over that time is it is getting much more predominant now.
2: Well, that just kind of goes back to just so many things that they're fundamentally changing that just don't make sense.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. And how old are you, by the way? I'm... 52 So you probably remember the f- the phenomenon remember the whole valley girl thing Oh yep, yep. that's kind of where some of this started that that kind of sing-song way that they talked okay. that that's sure. kind of that okay. that weird intonation at the end of the sentence where it goes up uh-huh. that that was kind of start I mean that's how long this has been going on but now it is becoming wow. really predominant Huh the vocal it's kind fly, of, a, kind the, of a, a mimicking thing that some
2: people think is unique or whatever, and they...
0: Well, you know, hear. it's it, it's kind of human nature. If we're around a certain manner of speech over and over and over, it's hard not to pick it up sometimes. You know, some people move... Yeah, to, I mean, when, move when I go down south, I, yeah. I start talking like <laughs> yeah, it, that. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That That's kind of a human thing because we want to connect with the people we're around. I, I get that. But th- this trend, and vocal fry, the first time I heard about this was five or six years ago. And as soon as it was pointed out to me, now I can't help but hear it constantly, and it makes me crazy. Interesting. Yeah,
2: I'll have to look out for that. I hadn't noticed that. That's that is-
0: Yeah, now now you can be just as annoyed as I am since I pointed it out to you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, all right. Well, so my other question. Um, this is. I, I kind of know your
2: answer, but I, 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 uh, I want to run it by you anyway. I'm, I'm kind of think I'm going to lose on this, but I, again, I don't want to just give up without trying. Um, my 19 year old son on the autism spectrum. He's pretty high functioning, um, but um, he was. We had to put him in the hospital over the weekend. Uh, he's pretty tough little bugger, but he ended up with uh gallbladder full stone, stones, oh. um, pancreatitis, uh, and uh, they think because uh, there was a stone caught in the bile duct. And then, um, so of course, uh, the doctor, you know, they just, it, it wasn't even a question, oh, that's got to come out. And, and me being a pretty... Avid listener, I guess. I, I'm i like, well, why? You know, why? You know, can't we try to fix it? At least try, you know? And, right. and, uh, so my wife's uh, an RN, so if she's not really on my side too much. And it's at the hospital where she works. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, he eats a fairly, well, it's kind of like what you described how you used to eat when you first started. I, you know, she is a pretty good cook and she's kind of on board with a lot of the stuff that um, we believe, but she's not. Also, not a true believer. I mean, she she's kind of half and half, if you will. And uh, but I, when I'm out here in the truck, I eat, you know, pretty close to carnivore. And, and uh, it's served me pretty well. But, you know, he, he will eat a frozen pizza every day if you let him, and mac and cheese and stuff like that. He's, we've known for a while that he's had some digestive issues. Like, if we go to certain restaurants that, I, I assume it's the oil or whatever, like, it will go right through him, you know. And
0: uh, Well, one of the... But, um, one yeah. of the things I can tell you is his gallbladder function has been compromised for a long, long time. That's why he's got all these gallstones and sludge, and and that's why right. That's why food goes right through him. He's not digesting his fats properly.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's what I told my wife too. And and the doctor, uh, you know, she said, "Well, we don't know if the stones are cholesterol or if they're what they're made of." You know, but. They just automatically want to just get it get it out of there, and I'm like, well, can't we try to? And so here's my question: Obviously, he's going to have a diet change in the future. Whether I get everyone convinced to go, you know, fully clean or not, I don't know. But what is it? They can't do the surgery until the pancreatitis heals. So he's got a little time. They want to want him to go home and come back, okay. which told me it's maybe not as emergent as they're
0: making it sound. Well, wait a minute. Let me, let me address that. What that tells me okay. is it's not an emergency at all. If it were an okay. emergency, if his life were threatened by this, they would do what they had to do to fix it. The fact that they can wait tells me that there's nothing life-threatening about this.
2: That's kind of what I thought too. I've heard you say that to other people, but then, you know, there's the argument is, well, do you want to have him go through all this again with a stone? And I'm like, well, no, but if it sets him up for a lifetime of yes. poor nutrition because of bad digestion, I would right. drift it, I guess, or I would like to see him, you know, ultimately it's not my decision. It's, you know, he's an adult and right. all of that, but I, I want to advocate yeah. <laughs> for it. Yeah. And so I guess, since we've got a little time, is there uh, a protocol that we could try to maybe reduce the chances of
0: yeah, that? We, you know? we have a protocol for, for yeah. dissolving stones and getting the gallbladder healthy again. Yeah, we have a protocol, and it works. As long as we've got time to do it and we have people willing to try it and do it right, we have a protocol that works.
2: So, how do you know without imaging that it's working? I mean, you know, because my understanding is those stones just kind of lodge in there and you don't really ever know what might trigger it.
0: One of the ways we know without imaging and testing, honestly, is just a, a, a neutrcue, which we could take a NutriQ now, we could start him on the protocol, and in a month we do another NutriQ. Do we have improvement in the symptoms around digestion and the gallbladder? And if we do, then it's working. I mean, that's as simple as it needs to be. He's got symptoms. He's, he has poor fat digestion. He's got stones. We know that we can dissolve those. Doesn't matter whether they're cholesterol or oxalates. More likely, it's going to be oxalates. Um, we know we can dissolve them. Once we start dissolving them, the gallbladder gets healthier. And our protocol is a lot of nutrients to help the gallbladder. Okay.
2: Is that, like, uh, is that a normal protocol that you list, or is that more of a one-on-one
0: type it, thing? It, it, that's, okay. a, that's a one-on-one. It, it's a little trickier. It's not that big of a deal, but it's not one that we just want to put out and have people trying on their own. And one of the reasons okay. we don't is not only do I not really want people trying this protocol on their own because we have to monitor it pretty closely, but I also don't want somebody who absolutely needs emergency gallbladder surgery to think that our protocol is a good idea. So the first thing I want to do is make sure the person we're working with doesn't need some sort of life-saving emergency surgery before we even talk about this protocol. Okay.
2: All right. Well, I'm I'm still advocating for it. I don't know if I'm going to win or not, but uh, well, keep I will. Yeah, I will. uh, I might be signing up for a one-on-one for him if we can. If I can convince my wife to let me try it.
0: So that would that would be the coaching program. So hey, I'm going to cut you loose. We are running late this morning because of uh, all of our technical issues. It's time to bring in Brent Hutto from Truckstop.com. Brent, good morning. Uh right. oh. Good. No,
3: I'm good. I'm good to hear you, Kevin. Sorry. There you. <laughs> are. I was listening. I did. I was listening to the the previous caller and all the the the, uh, the conversation about vocal fry, and I <laughs> had so I put you on mute. Sorry about that. Good to be good to be with you, Mike. Yeah. No, no doubt, man. And, uh, I, I think I've had enough of vocal fry too. <laughs>
0: You know, I I almost wish I would have never heard about this and had it pointed out to me because it's one of those things that once you understand it, you can't miss it. Yeah. And it makes me crazy. And how about that whole TikTok phenomenon where people make statements but they sound like questions all the time?
3: You know, I we we, we all want to be we all want to be famous for 15 minutes, right? So we're all trying to do everything we can to be famous for 15 minutes and and instead of just being who we are, and uh, we all want to be somebody else. And I get it. I get part of it. Uh, the, 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 the vocal fry thing, to me, it's, it's that whole, um, I want to act like nothing bothers me and I don't care. And so I'm going to have an affectation in my voice that says I don't care, but everybody knows that's not possible. and That's not how life works.
0: Y- y- so, that's it. A- uh, that's a good point you make. That when they when they get into that mode of speaking like that, you're right. That's the attitude that comes across for some reason. It, it's like this. Well, you you said it exactly right. It's this attitude of well, well, I don't care. I don't care about anything. Yeah. It's kind of the feeling you yeah. get from these people, and it's it's that that weird intonation that causes that.
3: Yeah, it is. It's um. You know, I've got I got four daughters, and and um, and I, I don't. That, none of them speak like that. <laughs>
0: No, I'm, not, I'm not, not saying not. they
3: wouldn't. I'm, 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 <laughs> uh, but, no, I, but I don't know, man. I, go
0: ahead. I, I just spent time with your family. Everybody speaks completely yeah. normally. And I hate to say this. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a misogynist, I, I, but it, there is no doubt it is predominantly women that do this and girls. I'm yeah, starting without a doubt. To I to see more and more men do this now, too.
3: Yeah. Well, I did, I did a little research on it while you were talking to the other gentleman and, uh, and it's, uh, it's that 18 to 35 or 18 to 40 range. And what's interesting is if people above 40 find it annoying, people below 40 don't really care. It's fine. It's like, ah, whatever. So I think it's one of those, uh, age separator things where you go, where, where you just kind of, as you get older, you're kind of like, this seems like a waste of energy, but to some, it's no big deal, you know? So I, I get it. I, you know, People want to be what they want to be, and and uh, but there's a, there's a great video online or a, 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 online about a guy getting coffee, and he's a guy <laughs> about our age. He's getting. Have you seen it? Getting coffee. I, <laughs> I,
0: I love that video. That is so funny. <laughs>
3: Well I I'm glad I know what it is now. I have no idea what it was. Vocal fry. It's actually what are the ranges that that your vocal cords can speak. I you mean know, your vocal my, by the way, I'm I'm married to a speech pathologist, so my wife, you know, knows all about the you know the different affectations that that, that, that the that the vocal cords can use. But well anyways, I get
0: it. well can I schedule Teresa as a guest to come on and talk with me about it? <laughs> He
3: probably he probably would avoid it, <laughs> but uh, sure, whatever you need, whatever you need, that all good, all good stuff.
0: You know, again, I uh, it is annoying to me, and I try not to be annoyed by it. But the one of the mm-hmm. bigger issues, I guess, I could live with the vocal fry. Uh, I'd rather not. But the the weird intonation at the end of a sentence, the problem I have with it is it, it almost creates cognitive dissonance in my brain. I'm not sure if somebody just asked me a question or if they made a statement and I have to stop and think about it because it sounds yeah, like a question, yeah. but it's worded as a statement.
3: Well, I listened to what you said to the gentleman earlier when you talked about how it, we humans and we speak, and obviously you want to be comprehended. And so, if you end something in the way that usually a question is ended, and not like a, direct, a declarative uh, sentence where, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna end vocally or or this way, so you know it's your turn to talk. Right. It's one of the things where it does it does, it, it does throw you off, no doubt. <sighs> all
0: right. Uh, it, must I hope okay. <laughs> it must be going to be okay. It must be. I had uh, all kinds of technical issues this morning. Most of them um, operator error, or at least I learned something new. We're, we are finally um, within days of starting to test our own broadcast system. So we're kind of working on it in the background, and at the same time, I'm working on some new equipment setups for our remote host, even for somebody like you, a, a regular guest. Right. Where we want the sure. best, we were just talking about, you know, voice and sound. We want the best audio quality we can get. We want to be able to communicate better. Um, oh, uh, Unfortunately, we are building a system that really doesn't exist right now on the market. We've talked oh, about good. that before. again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's just, uh, it's a little frustrating for me right now, but half the mistakes are mine. So um, I think we've got them figured out for today. Um uh, we are here to talk about the market today so let's yes, sir. talk about the market what's going on this week
3: well i tell you i just i went down to a conference that um i really enjoyed going to it was down in, in in west palm beach which is not a bad place to be in the middle of january it was uh set 78 79 and 80 when i was there in beautiful weather it's right on the Water and uh, so it's above Miami about an hour and a half. So it's a nice place to be, but it's a great conference where um, a lot of the uh, leaders inside of transportation go to, to like be around each other to talk about the market and what's going on. It's also a lot of businesses, you know, how can they do better business with each other? But Ben Gordon, who, who leads a great event down there. He also runs Cambridge Capital. They're a big investor inside the marketplace. But Ben Gordon is the Ben Gordon Supply Chain Research, and he's the guy that lead to that. But he and his team do a great job. But I got to hear tremendous conversation from tech leaders, from trucking leaders, from 3TL leaders, from uh, investors into the market. And the overall feeling is we're just kind of cruising along at this the market has come, everything's come back to what some would call as normal. It just doesn't feel super like normal, and that's, right. that's the odd thing, because we went through this great, we went through this great, you know, period. I mean, we went through this period where if you didn't make more money than you ever made in the history of your transportation company, then some, you were doing something wrong, you know? Yeah. So, um, but, so so everything's kind of come back down to normal, and and which means there's a ton of competition. The the, the struggle Kev, is that is that because the market was so good? So many small players or small companies—let me just say small companies, smaller companies—the the one truck, two trucks, you know, three trucks, transitioned into the the full truckload marketplace, and so we've got an oversupply of trucks, which kind of keeps rates depressed a little bit. And when you consider that that fuel kind of continues to just be a headache, and then you got insurance as a headache, you got all the other, and then you got competition—you got more trucks that are asking for freight in different areas. It just makes it feel difficult and, and so profitability is not near as good as it should be for small carriers and, and certainly we it needs to be because we, we, we want to make we at First Off wanna make sure they got every opportunity to be as successful as possible. But really today if today is this marketplace, and you and I have talked a lot about this, this marketplace really reflects on one thing. What can you control as the operator of your business in which you can nominally control your costs? And if you're not really, really looking at those in today's marketplace, you're probably not making much profit at all, isn't
0: You know, that's an interesting point. I want to spend some time on that. Um, yeah, yeah. back, you know, over the last, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, I think we're actually close, coming closer to about 10 years now, um, that we've been talking about the the end of the run i mean we always know it comes right the the economy runs in cycles trucking runs in cycles it's very sensitive to those cycles we've been through them we have great years and then then we start to notice okay we're, we're heading into a downturn we get through it We right. go back to the upside We've been talking about this for a long, long time. We knew this was coming. It took way longer to get here than anybody expected. But when it got here, what? it was exactly what we thought. You're going to lose a lot of capacity during this time. You have to. Mm-hmm. What was different this time for me is we are still, I, I just did another one on the air the other day. We are still highlighting business reports for single truck owner operators and small fleets from last year and the numbers are not just average they are incredibly strong people had really good years Mm -hmm. last year Mm -hmm. if they were running their business properly and Mm -hmm. if you weren't 2023 was a bad year for a lot of people Um, one of our callers earlier um, remember the, the, the guy that kind of went viral online because he was demanding $8,000 from TQL and he painted it all over his trailer and parked in there. Oh yeah. Lot I remember seeing, I remember seeing that in overdrive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that phrase, be careful what you wish for. Oh sure. <laughs> So this guy wanted attention. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you spray paint, you know, something like that all over the side of your trailer and go pull in the, the broker's parking lot, you want attention. Mm-hmm. He got it. Mm-hmm. He got attention. Mm-hmm. Be careful what you wish for. He's back in the news. You know what his problem is now? I give up. He's being blackballed. Oh, well, of course you are. <laughs> Why would you think you wouldn't be? Who wants to do business with some lunatic that's going to spray paint this all over their trailer and pull in our parking lot? Right. So now his complaint uh, well, is, brokers don't want to work with me. I'm being Black but Welcome to the real world. This is how business works.
3: Uh, we, we, we work in an open market, and people get to choose who they want to do business with. That's how the American... Business structure works, and it's all about choice. And so, unfortunately, um, you know, the, I, I, what I would say is that, that there's always there's always an agreeable way to try to resolve conflict, and sometimes there's an unagreeable way. And and if you you know, depending on how you want to stomp your foot and put it down, um, you know, we're always we're, we are all responsible for our actions. And so it's unfortunate that um, he is um, struggling in the market with other brokers not wanting to work with him, but. Yeah, you have to be careful what you're communicating, super careful what you're communicating at all times, no doubt.
0: Yeah, you know, sometimes when there's a conflict, sometimes there isn't a good way to work it out. Sometimes there's just no. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. this may be one of those, I don't know what else he tried, but ultimately, sometimes the best way to deal with conflict is to walk away and say, right, there just is no way to work this out. But when, when he wanted all of that attention, he, he got it, and these are the consequences of that.
3: Yeah, famous for 15 minutes. Like I said, just a just few minutes ago, you got to be careful what you ask for. And, in today's world, I mean, and, and, and look, there's, part of this is really good because as a, like a single participant in the market, he doesn't, you know, most of the time, you, ask, you start you know, 25, 30 years ago, you didn't have a voice. Well, you have a voice now. You can, you can attract more attention to yourself than ever in the history of mankind. Just be careful what kind of attention you're attracting, because in the end, we all live with our character. We all live with who we want people to think we are. And obviously, he, 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 he had, a, he had a, a real axe to grind uh, about something that he felt really strongly about. And he, you know we all have to live with the results, unfortunately. And uh, that's just the way, that's the way things work. Maybe there could have been a better way to work this out um um again uh, as you said be careful with you
0: okay. yeah um you know there is a good side to this uh, you know i'm thinking back over the last again like i said five or six years it's been a while now mm-hmm. um yeah i wasn't i wasn't working really hard to get a lot of our information out on fuel mileage maintenance costs all that stuff and the reason i wasn't right is because fewer and fewer people were listening because they didn't have to. The rates were so strong. There was so much freight around. Um, You know, you mentioned these people may have been doing some things wrong. I I can tell you there were a lot of people that were doing almost everything wrong and still staying in business and actually doing okay. There was so much freight that needed to be moved and rates were so good. It, It was to the point where I felt like I was wasting my time talking about efficiency a lot because nobody seemed to really care. The people who cared were already doing it. The the new people were were kind of saying, who cares about fuel mileage? I'm getting $4 a mile. And the good news now is we're past that. People are listening now. If you're going to be in business in this market, you're going to have to do things right. Uh, And that's a good thing. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of opportunity here at the bottom we're talking about it so it's it's not an accident um or it's not some random thing that that we're um, we're talking about and relaunching the c m c here in a couple months uh it's just good timing
3: yeah no doubt super super excited about getting the c m c once again and being a partner with you on that and I think about just the overall marketplace and you, when you look at that um that rate have come came up two weeks ago. They they came up uh, to 240, which is sort of the, the the bottom of the the pandemic marketplace. And then and then so they've been below. They were below that for an entire year. And um, so so la- last week, from two weeks ago to last week, you know w- the data that I, I talk about with you is always seven days old. So it's the freshest data in the market. Uh, it dropped four cents. The, the the rates in the spot market overall dropped about four cents. The biggest drop was in reefer, was in refrigerated. It dropped fifteen cents average per mile, which is meaningful It's super meaningful. A flatbed went up a little bit. Dry van dropped you know three pennies uh, overall. Uh, fuel dropped one cent, which is a reflects in the rates as well. But the load postings are have been beginning at the beginning of the year, January one, they. They were high, they were twenty percent above, twenty five percent above uh, normal, and uh, kind of tended to stay that way. So um, they, the last week, they're still still they were the same as they were two weeks ago, which was about twenty percent above normal. So there's plenty of freight out there
2: Gee. to be had. Yeah,
3: and uh, yeah, there's plenty of freight to be had. It's just it's just you know, to your point about the 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 suckers that use your software service that are making a very good living, even in a challenging market, are the ones that have, you know, predictable freight from somebody they've been negotiated with that they've probably been partnered with for a long time, and, uh, you know, the, the, and, they're, and they're picking and choosing the freight that's going to make them the best profit. So, so the market overall is, is not it's, – it's weak when, when, you look at, when you look at fuel, but from the standpoint of, like, the available freight that's out there, there is good freight to be found. You just got to make sure that, you know, you know where to look for it, and that you're making sure you're hedging for some of the bad players, the bad actors with fraud in the market.
0: Well, you know, this is why data is so important. It'd be easy oh, to good. believe. Yeah. It would be easy yeah. to believe that there isn't any freight available and rates are tanking, And but it's not true. We can look at the data and say, no, that is not true. The rates today historically would have been strong rates. These would have been good numbers historically. We would not be complaining about these kind of rates. The one difference today is inflation. Expenses are through the roof across the board. The equipment costs more. Now, used equipment has gotten a lot cheaper. That's a good thing. Um, New trucks Mm -hmm. are still really expensive. Fuel is up maintenance costs are up. We have supply chain issues. Sometimes we can't get things. So the lesson here, and you know, how many, I don't know how many times we've said this, the lesson is we're in a weird situation where we're losing more and more carriers all the time, and yet we have other carriers that are doing better than average, and that's unusual. This is a weird cycle, but I would say it seems pretty clear that the whole key here is because inflation is the problem controlling your cost is the answer and the people who have been controlling their cost for years and years and getting better at it all the time are not feeling this right now they're still doing great the other people even though rates are good and there is plenty of freight they're struggling because their costs are out of control and they don't know how to control them and they don't even think they need to. That's the worst part. You can't even convince these guys that they should be controlling their cost.
3: Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, even and you know, you and I love to talk about the small, the small owner operator, small trucking company, uh, because they're near and dear to us. But it, it, everything matters in, in, in your in your operation. And I look at you know the biggest of the bigs. But, and I read something on night Swift that talked about their earnings were down but it wasn't because of the freight they were hauling it wasn't because of the fuel they were buying it wasn't because of the drivers uh that 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 they're employing or trying to employ it was because of insurance yeah their insurance took a hit like a 71 million dollar operating loss yeah Uh, and that's that we're talking about a multi-billion dollar company that got that that their profitability, they're publicly traded. So when someone's publicly traded, they have to disclose all the time how they're doing. For those that don't know that, publicly traded companies live under very, very very deep scrutiny yeah. under how they run their business. And so, so a company as big as nice, so who should be able to buy insurance as effective as anyone in the market, probably more effective than anyone in the market, Correct. got hammered on their insurance costs. So, so big deal, you have to watch every single piece of the dollars that are going out the door. And so if you're, an, if you're a small player and you're not doing that, and, or you don't know what they are, and then you're not watching them all the time, then you're just giving away profit. You're just, it's your, it's your money. You know, it's your money that you're giving away.
0: You know, here's why I'm so excited about the CMC. <laughs> CMC's been around a long time. I did my first CMC in yeah. 2005. Uh, wow. Yeah, I know. That, that's almost long 20 time. years now. That's kind of crazy. Um <laughs> long time ago. But I am more excited about this one than ever because the timing is absolutely right. We're kind of at the bottom of a market. Some things may go up. Some things may go down. We're going to bounce around the bottom for a while. And then eventually we'll come out of this. We always do. This is the perfect time to learn how to run a one-truck operation and squeeze out Mm -hmm. every penny of profit. And that's what the program's about. You know, earlier you mentioned a lot of the troubles have been with one, two, and three truck companies. And you're right, it has, and they should have never been three-truck companies. These are guys who never figured out how to run the first truck really profitably. There was just so much work and so much freight available, it was easy to go buy another truck and and think you were making a little bit of money with it. A lot of these people didn't realize the second truck may have created a loss, not a gain. And the third truck could have been even worse. And those are the first ones that exit the market when things get tough. So our model is and this is what the cmc is all about learn how to run that Mm -hmm. one truck as profitably as possible i mean we squeeze every penny out of everywhere we can at one and and look Mm -hmm. it's no harder to run your business like that than it is to run it wrong it's actually much easier and less stressful to do it right you just have to learn how once you do Then the next step of the program is now we'll teach you how to do that with a second truck if you want to grow a fleet. And this step is more difficult and more risky than buying your first truck. And most people do not realize that.
3: Oh, it's tremendously more. I remember the data we used to pull when I worked for Overdrive and uh, where it used to show the profitability of of one truck entities, in other words, one truck owner-operators, and there was good good profit in it. And it's, it's varied across the board. Some make more, some make less. Outstanding business. But what was always remarkably interesting were the number of companies that when they added their second truck went from an operating profit to an operating loss immediately. Yeah. First year. Yeah. So it's not like it takes a few years. First year, it goes to an operating loss because it's not the same. As soon as you have an outside entity that you have to manage and, and, and deal with and all the pieces of the puzzle go to it, it takes, it takes. The, mo- the most precious thing you have, which is time. It takes your time to manage it. And if you don't have it really locked in, then you're losing that 5%, 10% of your time. That is a tremendous amount of your profit for the year. Because, you know, when you've got to take time off of one end, it's gonna it, it comes out. It, it, it comes out of your profitability. So, yeah, it, it's amazing. I'll, 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 so I agree with you and, and, and super happy that we're, we're going to be a part of the the antiques because we can we can teach this. You know, truck stop can 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 bring the tools, can bring some of the tools, and you can bring the intellect, and you can teach this on how not to step in that hole.
0: You know, we we could make the argument with the data that the more trucks you add in a fleet the less profitable every truck becomes. That's almost kind of odd because normally in a lot of businesses, the economy of scale starts to increase your profits. But in trucking, it's not the case. I mean, think about this. Some of the biggest carriers have operating ratios in the mid to high 90%. I have owner-operators who have operating ratios in the 40%. Right. That's a huge spread, and it, it almost looks like the data shows the more trucks you add, the least profitable each truck becomes.
3: Yeah, there's there's only there's you know I think the, the, the tough thing about trucking, well, I know the tough thing about trucking is that every truck operates kind of at the same cost. It's not like if you had 10 trucks, they're going to all operate at one cost, and if you added 10 more, it's going to be 30 percent less or 40 percent less it doesn't happen that way it doesn't happen that way and that's the mathematics that's this is the point about that you say kevin all the time know your numbers you need to know your numbers because math matters you know and and i'm not trying to say hey don't enjoy don't don't love and enjoy your your trucking business because you need to because it's important to, to love what you do but if you pay attention to the math it's amazing how much easier and more enjoyable your business will be because you'll know that, okay, if we're going to have a difficult market or if I know that, you know, whatever might be going on in regulations, which by the way, has the biggest effect on the operating, the operations of of the trucking companies, then you know how to adjust for them. And those that know how to adjust really are able to, 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 to make sure their business continues to stay profitable. Absolutely.
0: Hey, here's, here's something else that I posted the other day what that um, I, I was a little surprised when I saw this. Um, cloud carrier um did you see the offer they've got right now for owner operators cloud carrier or cloud trucks cloud trucks i'm sorry cloud trucks yeah 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 Yeah, okay no
3: i have not seen the
0: offer listen to this uh cloud trucks considers themselves a virtual carrier i guess that's kind of like a digital broker but i'm not sure that's much of a distinction anymore almost everybody (laughs) could claim they're a virtual carrier um, right. But here's what it's. Virtual carrier drivers, and, and I wish they wouldn't have used that um, term drivers because they're really talking about owner operators, um, who drive right. at least 2,000 loaded miles each week over a two-week period are guaranteed a weekly revenue of $4,500. And those who drive at least 1,500 loaded miles each week over the same period are guaranteed 30 to 50 in weekly revenue that works out to a guaranteed rate of $2 and 25 cents a mile. And uh, on the 2000 miles a week or $2 and 16 cents a mile on 1500 miles. That is a very strong revenue guarantee. I don't think I've ever seen one like that.
3: Yeah, I hadn't either. I'll have to take a look at it. Uh, we're familiar with cloud trucks. Uh, I mean, we end up running into everybody in, in the marketplace. So, I'll take a look at it. By the way, have you looked at any of the details? Is there is there any test? Because terms and conditions are always something you want really want to pay close attention to.
0: They are, and I haven't been able to find all the details on it yet. There may be enough weird exclusions in here that this isn't as strong as it sounds. But on the surface, that, that's a pretty darn strong guarantee.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at it to see how how that that works out. I think there's a – I'm trying to figure out what's their their angle on wanting to um, guarantee anything in a marketplace that deals with such uncertainty.
0: Um, I I have a guess. What would be your guess? Uh, Exactly what we've been talking about, that somebody over there at Cloud Trucks realizes how many – Small carriers and single truck owner operators are out there that don't have a clue how to manage expenses, and they only focus on revenue. And they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're crying about their revenue dropping, and they can't find freight. They're not looking at expenses because they never do. Their sole focus is on revenue. And I think this is an opportunity for a company like this to grab a lot of those guys because this is what they focus on. They focus on revenue. And here's somebody making them a revenue guarantee.
3: Right. And so would you say this would be a, a, a something that somebody who might be new in the market, it could help them?
0: Um, I would say, and it's why I posted this and it's why I talk about it. it. This is an opportunity for people who haven't figured out how to run their business yet. Anybody who's got this figured out would c- could care less about this. This is a really right. strong guarantee, but I have people that are killing it. They're beating these numbers all day long right now. They'd be insane to go right. and do something like this. But if you're borderline and, and you're worried you're going to go out of business and there's a lot of guys out there, this might save some people. Now, if this saves somebody and it also wakes them up to, hey, Look, I better focus on what I can control which are expenses. Well then mm-hmm. it's a good thing.
3: Yeah, I'm 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 looking at, at how they, they run this. I've I've not done a ton of research on, on cloud trucks, so it'd be interesting. Yeah. Guarantees can be can be nice and they can uh, they can also be limiting. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how that, that works out. I,
0: I did some math on this. the the big issue if you were not gonna go into this program the the thing i would tell people to focus on in this program one you got to start working on your expenses so you don't end up in the spot again mm-hmm. in this program the way to make this work is to get those 2000 loaded miles and here's the other thing you can think about in this program forget about the rate pull any freight you can pull to stay loaded, because in the end, you're going to get this minimum anyway. So now don't worry about taking that really low-rate run. What you want to avoid in this system are empty miles. If you can stay loaded at any rate, it's not going to matter anymore. If we can get our 2,000 miles this week and we only have a hundred or 200 miles deadhead for the whole week. Now we get this minimum rate, which is two twenty-five a mile. We might've had some loads in there where we were only getting paid a buck 60. So what take them, who cares? Stay loaded in this system. And I did the math. There is no reason why somebody who's smart enough to understand how to work this system, they should be able to net about a hundred thousand dollars. Right. That's not a bad year. In any other no. year, that would be a fantastic year for an owner-operator to clear a hundred thousand dollars. And here's a program where I can, unless they got a bunch of weird exclusions, and but but if this program looks like it looks on the surface to me, I could almost guarantee somebody could make a hundred thousand doing this.
3: Wow, that's a good claim, Kevin. That that's a, a, a so how much of this? How much of this is? instruction how much of this is application on your end when you you talk about how because you you, you know there's a lot of times people put a good outline together and then and then what where are the where the areas in which the owner operator really need to focus in on okay how do i how do i put this into action
0: this particular program you mean sure first off like i said determine if you even need this or not If you are, Mm -hmm. if you are averaging anywhere near 225 a mile on your own freight, just stick with it. But if, but if you're really struggling because, you know, most of your freight is paying less than $2 a mile right now and your expenses are through the roof and you can't pay the bills, you should consider Mm -hmm. this program. Again, I, I'm going to have to go do some more work. I might even reach out to Cloud Truck and get somebody on the air to talk about it. I want to see if I can find more information on it first. But if you decide that you need something like this, that you're really struggling and you can't see a way out, again, the way I look at this program is shouldn't care about the rate at all. I mean, look. If I know that this program really works and, and they're honest about it, if they've got a load in their system paying a buck twenty a mile, I'm going to take it. Why wouldn't I? All I need to do in this system to make money right. is make it's sure I keep freight on the trailer, because this is all right. based on loaded miles. You've got to get two thousand loaded miles to get this guarantee. Now. People aren't going to think about this, and they're still in that mindset of rate, 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 and they scream if they see a low rate. Oh, I'm not pulling that. It's garbage. No, in this situation, I don't care what the rate is. I am going to pull the closest load near to me now to keep my deadhead miles down.
3: Right. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the details on this, and the uh, be, be interesting. I, I think I'll, I'll probably second into it too, because uh, uh, so uh, yeah. I, I just I'm I'm all, yeah. I always want sure to make a look at the details on, on everything. So I mean that, that's that's sort of my advice that to any there looking at things. Whether well, there's always a, there's a guarantee is that, that is it is a guarantee that that if you're if you're struggling like you said, I think if you're struggling with profitability, really struggling. This could be something that could, could get you through onto things. But if, if but if you're already averaging these things, is it is it truly really a good program for you? So. It, it's, you know, I think the thing that, that is important to think about is that you have a lot of, there's, there's lots of people trying to be creative on how to amass uh, capacity that's out in the marketplace. And, and for some of the people that got into the market and this was their first market to get into and they're struggling right now because, you know, it, it, trucking is, is challenging, then this could be something you need to look at.
0: Absolutely. A uh, couple other things. I know we haven't talked a lot about rates. We, we, we might, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. honestly, if we think about it, The the rate information each week would take us, what, about five minutes to get through, right? I mean, rates don't change all that much. And the more we do it, the more people start to understand it. And, and, you know, we might only talk a lot about rates when there are some anomalies or things are changing. But um, you and I like to touch on all kinds of things, like the the stuff we've been talking about today. And all of Mm -hmm. these things Mm -hmm. affect rates. I mean, we might not be talking directly about rates, but a program like this... If this got big, this could have an impact on rates. I mean, it, almost anything. Uh, we look at what's going on in the world right now, um, the world and our country. Uh, there's all kinds of things that could change the, the right. rate environment. I mean, what's going on in the Red Sea with shipping? Ocean shipping right now is is all over the board, and it's kind of a mess. And mm-hmm. the supply chain's starting to look ugly again. Um I made the statement this morning that um, w- without being overly dramatic about this or, you know, I don't want to sound like Chicken Little, but um, I was a little shocked when I got up and I was doing my, my pre-show reading and, you know, what am I going to talk about today? And mm-hmm. when you read the news today, um, again, without being overly dramatic about this, uh, I, I don't know in my life. No, I do know never in my lifetime. Have we been in a worldwide situation and what 's going on in this country where we are closer than ever to both a world war and a civil war than ever in my lifetime well that 's a big statement that 's a huge <laughs> statement but I, 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 how can you and i 'm not saying it 's going to happen i 'm just saying we 're closer yeah. when you look at the the what 's going on in the world. There's certainly more signs of of either one than ever before. I mean, we we are basically at war with Iran, whether we want to admit it or not, and and it's heating up every day. There's you know mm-hmm. we are supporting all kinds of wars all over the country or all all, all over the world, and that could get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see that prediction by the mainstream media about the um, the uh, truck convoy this week? Supposed to be happening today.
3: Yeah. What was interesting is my uh, sons actually brought it to me. I have twin seventeen-year-old sons, and they keep up with the news. And one of my sons brought it to me and said, "Dad, what do you know about the uh, the trucking convoy that's going down to the border?" And I said, "I don't know much about it." I, you know, I was, like I said, I was last week. I was gone at an event, and you know, when I'm at events, I'm very focused on what I'm doing there, and so I, I'm not reading a lot of the news because I'm, you know, it, it, they're just nonstop with people. So I don't know a whole lot about it, uh, as far as uh, I do know that they're that the issue. Of, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the 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 point of view that they're bringing out is about the protecting our borders and the immigration yep. issue. Am I correct? Is that, is that yeah, yeah yeah? So
0: yes, yeah,
3: so. I get it. The, yeah.
0: the convoy is supposed to be heading to Texas because that's where the big border showdown is. We've got Texas mm-hmm. trying to protect their own border and the federal government saying, no, you can't do that. Um, we have a direct conflict between Texas and the federal government. Last time I checked, we have 27 states that are sending resources, including National Guard troops, to Texas to assist in the conflict with the federal government. I mean that statement alone is pretty damn scary. Um, mm-hmm. it, and then out of the blue, I mean it, this happened quickly. I did not see any kind of real build up on social media like I normally see. All of a sudden, it was just the mainstream media reporting this convoy going to Texas. But here was the funny thing. I don't remember which news agency started this, but some mainstream media started this number and then it got picked up everywhere. They claimed they were expecting 700,000 vehicles to be there.
3: Yeah, my my son, (laughs) Kevin, my son said that to me. And uh, my first reaction was, um, did you look at the numbers right? Is that I, I know. Uh, if, if 700,000 anybody went anywhere for anything uh, would shut down certain things and, and 700,000 trucks. I mean, usually when we have a convoy issue, there's a few hundred, maybe a couple of thousand. I've never seen any more than that in 25 years. I, I, I think that's, a, that's somebody trying to create hyperbole in that. It sounds like it.
0: I don't know if I've ever actually seen a truck pro- that protest that really got to a 1,000. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. there's been all kinds of claims, but I don't, I don't know if I've ever really seen, well, the uh, the one convoy that went across the country during COVID, that was a pretty darn big one. Um, no doubt about that. that they, had a, sure. yeah. they had a lot of numbers mm-hmm. on that one. Um, Mm-hmm. Somebody mm-hmm. did the math. Originally, the the original claim was 700,000 trucks. Now somebody else came out and said, no, we meant 700,000 vehicles because there's going to be a lot of cars and motorhomes and farm tractors. And who knows if it took off, like, right. you know, what's going on right now in Germany and France and Belgium. They actually do have big vehicle kind of protests going on with farmers and truckers, and they're shutting things down. But somebody did the I'll math. Call that. mm mm-hmm. If somebody did the math, if it were 700,000 trucks, the convoy would stretch from Texas to New York.
3: I know. I, I, <laughs> this is where I, I'm like, somebody just didn't look at the numbers. Now, look, it's, if if we had 700,000 truckers protesting something, it, it that, that would be so monumental. And I'm trying to figure out what... what well, how could seven hundred thousand? We have there three point five million truck drivers in the United States. Right, all right. That's all. That's 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 everybody. As they, as we say in the South, that's everybody. You know, that's three point. If you took seven hundred thousand trucks off the road, not much is going to happen in a day. Or in a how and how how long are they planning for this to, to go on? Is it is it a week?
0: I think it was. I just don't day at how, least. Yeah. You know.
3: I just don't understand how well, it, 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 it would make any sense.
0: Yeah. Here's the other weird thing about it. Like I said, it came out of nowhere. At the beginning of last week, I wasn't mm-hmm. hearing about it at all. By Friday, mm-hmm. I was seeing quite a bit about it, even in the mainstream. I, I was actually seeing more in the mainstream media than I was seeing on social media. Mm-hmm. That was on Friday. There was a bunch of hype, and everybody was talking about it. I, and, and it's supposed to start today. Well, I can't find it anywhere today. No news about it. Nobody's really talking about it on social media much. So I, I don't know what to expect out of this one.
3: Right. Well, me either. So it'll be interesting. I, I just saw on one of the news channels, on the mainstream news news channel, reported yesterday uh, about the um, Texas-bound take our border back convoy to shed light on the immigrant crisis. We want to send a message to leaders, which is which is great. I mean, it's, right. it's our it's our right as 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 citizens in this wonderful free country to do what we want as long as we protest peacefully, hey, no problem. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out how it makes any sense and what is it gonna what is it going to accomplish? You know, if it, it seems like it seems like if you, if you could get seven hundred thousand people to agree on something, you could get you could and you wouldn't even have to convoy. You could get the attention of any government entity.
0: You would think so. Yeah. You would think so, yeah. You mm-hmm. think. So we will uh we will see. We're certainly keeping an eye on that. You know, honestly, I- I've been very, very outspoken against all of these kinds of uh efforts to, you know, block highways and shut down the economy because we can you know, that claim if we get enough trucks to shut shut down we'll get their attention. Um in the past, my biggest criticism is how how unorganized and poorly thought out they are. You know, they, they have 37 different demands. They have no idea who might be able to help them with whatever issue it is there. So, so it's just very unorganized. It's almost, in the past, these things to me have almost looked like temper tantrums you know, we're not happy and we're, we're going to stomp and kick our feet, but we haven't really thought it through. We don't really know what we want to fix this stuff. We don't have a real leader. We don't have a clear agenda. They are bound to fail, and they always do. And, and when they fail, it, it's almost like one more black eye on the trucking world or the owner-operator world. And we could go back to that statement again of be careful what you wish for. All of these in the past have been horrible failures, but it might actually be worse if they were successful. If you shut down roads, there's going to be a lot of backlash. You may not get the support you think you're going to get from this. You shut down roads, and and again, without being overly dramatic, people can die because of that the ambulance Mm -hmm. that can't get through fire trucks that can't get through whatever it might be. That's a dangerous thing to be blocking off major roads. So you got to take that into account. Are are you willing to deal with the consequences of all that? Um, And, you know, this time I, I could say that in the big picture, that this is not about some parking complaint we have in trucking or broker transparency this is an issue mm-hmm. of national security, our southern border. I, I can at least say this time that if, if somebody were actually organizing something like this, this seems to be a legitimate reason to do it. It's not just some random industry complaint, and we want to inconvenience everybody in the country over one of our stupid little problems. This one is a, a legitimate complaint with what's going on with our, our southern border, um, I I still doubt that it's going to be organized very well, and and, uh, again, sometimes we just have to be careful what we wish for. They may get an awful lot of attention from this, and they may not like it.
3: Well, I'm just, in in the end, in the end, I, I think it's very important to look at, look, we want to be heard. We deserve, and human beings deserve to be heard. No problem. You should be heard. I just want to be effective. Whatever, we're, what, what's, what's the goal? Just like you said, if they're poorly organized, then they're not going to hit their goal. If they don't hit their goal, then have they wasted their time? And the last thing you want to do in a, in a challenging economy is waste your time and just wait. You know, you, you want to make sure that you're doing something that's going to be effective. But in the end, it's going to um, get your, when you're dealing with a government, it's different than dealing with business. It's different than dealing with, with another individual. The government is its own organism. You know, um, it, it doesn't take uh, demands super well. And I'm not saying it doesn't listen to, to, to us as 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 citizens. I'm just saying that you have to work with the government because the government looks at, at it from a standpoint from a holistic standpoint. What I mean by that is that they look at it how does it how does this affect everybody, not just somebody, but how does it affect everybody? And so when you think about it in those terms, Kevin. You know, you you might approach it differently because in the end, look, I want to secure a border just like anybody else does. Absolutely. I also want to make sure that anybody that can legally come into our country has an opportunity to do that. Yes, I agree. So so all all day long, you know.
0: Yeah, I I made a I talked about this a lot this week that uh, I'm actually all for more legal immigration. We could use more good quality people in this country. I really believe that. And Mm -hmm. I've always believed that what made us such a great country was our diversity. We're not a kind of homogenized society Mm -hmm. like a lot of countries are. We had a lot of, uh, you know, different thinkers and people with different skills and mindsets. And I think it's what makes us such a great country. And we shouldn't try to get away from that. But you you have to have borders and you have to have laws. And we can't just ignore them and let everybody flood into the country with what's been going on over the last several years.
3: Yeah, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: All right, Brent. Well, we were kind of all over the board yeah, today. Uh, good stuff, though. <laughs> I, we uh, we blew through that hour pretty quickly. Anything else you want to talk about today before you got to go?
3: I just I just like to close. Kevin with just say, look, look, you said it right in the middle of our conversation. There is so much information out there that a one truck owner operator can put their hands on and and to make decisions about their business. And if you're not if you're not utilizing them, then you're not you're not maximizing the enjoyment of driving your truck. So a little bit of homework give us a lot of bit of benefit down the road from enjoying driving your truck. And, and, and I know you want this for owner-operators. Truck Stop wants this for owner-operators so they can enjoy their business. This is why we, we do what we do, which is to give them, put the power in their hands. But you got to go do it yourself, I man. you gotta go, You got to go take control of it and do it yourself. And so I'm just glad to be partnered with you to kind of continue to to bring that opportunity to them. So, so happy to be here, man.
0: Well, great to have you. Um, great. We've got our partnership going again. And uh, I, I love Yeah, man. I love the our our first big program is the CMC at Matts this year. We've got great. No, can't involved. Wait. Um, uh, You know, I, I I keep going back to um, the first seminar I ever did, which was at Matts, and <laughs> it was when I met That's you. Right. I mean, that was really That's when right. we met. Yep, 1999.
3: That 1999. was uh, the beginning. The beginning. The be- it was a great year and the beginning of a great friendship and. And, uh, you know, so the idea that, that just to help owner-operators be able to operate their business is, is, a, is, a, is a, a pleasure and a joy for me. I know it is for you. And, uh, and I want as many owner-operators to make it to Mid-America, uh, to come be a part of the CNC that's going to be there. We're going to start it on Wednesday. Come, look, look for details to sign up on Let's Truck and Truck Stop very soon.
0: I, I, one thing, you're right. We want as many people as possible as long as it's not more than 200.
3: <laughs> well, it is exclusive. This this per, this perk was pretty exclusive. Yeah, 200, Beth. First 200 in the door, get the opportunity, no doubt.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I just want to let people know that the reason we started talking about this before we even have sign-ups done and, and all of that was because we had to. One, we, we're we a little behind the eight ball on this program with... with uh, Matt's coming up so quick. And programs like this take a long time to pull together, especially the first one. So we wanted to start talking about it right away so people understood. But now right. it's even more important knowing that for a lot of reasons, this first one is going to have to be limited to 200 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm positive we had way more than that in our first, uh, the Partners in Business back in 1999. <laughs> and I, I think knew for had sure. 300- about
3: three hundred and thirty, yeah. yeah, about
0: three hundred and thirty. <laughs> yeah, and I know for sure that the last four or five years we did the CMC all had more than two hundred people in them, way more. Mm-hmm. The last one had double mm-hmm. that, and and mm-hmm. those were eighteen hundred dollar tickets. This is hundred right. bucks, so I'm pretty sure it's going to fill up pretty quick.
3: Right? Yeah. Well, definitely, definitely, definitely. All right, man. Well, uh, good talking with you today, and looking forward to seeing you next week. All
0: right, thanks as always, Brent. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Yes, sir.
3: You got it. Bye.
0: All right, so uh, we can go back to a free for all for now. Uh, we had some interruptions at the beginning of the show, so I'll hang out for a while. I do see we've got a call coming in right now, uh, and I will keep those phone lines open, and we'll stay here for as long as we've got calls. So pick up the phone eight five five. Nine five zero three eight three five is the number to join us. You can also hit the call now button in your app. It should be programmed correctly. Jump in and join us if you've got anything at all you want to talk about. If you have questions about the CMC, um, I should be able to give you most of the details right now. I think we've got the majority of the stuff worked out as far as uh, timing, uh, cost, content, Um, All the pieces of the puzzle are in place. Uh, It's just a matter of doing all the work to put it all together now. And um, it's what I'm spending most of my time on when I get off the air today. I will spend the rest of the day putting together my content for this. So I'm excited about it. We're uh, really looking forward to kicking this off. Uh, Let's get to some phone calls because they're coming in. Let's go to Delaware. Jay, welcome to the program. Uh, good morning, Tevin. That's the uh, vocal fry, right? No, oh, I I I've played <laughs> around with this, and and I can do it, but it's really difficult. Like I can't do it on the fly right now. I got to kind of practice, and but it, it's just awful. The whole thing just makes me crazy.
4: Yeah, yeah, I've heard it quite a bit, and it is it is quite annoying. Um, however, I was calling in about um a, a CSFM, CFA uh, bashing day today and uh, I wanted to call in because um, I called you about a year ago about the sleep study and I was able to avoid it the last time and this this past November I wasn't able to avoid it they picked me up and said oh, no you're definitely going to get a sleep study so and um, I know that uh, you know the people the amount of people that I talked to I've never heard anybody say I went for a sleep study and they said no you don't need to be seen
0: so I'm sure I'm going to be on that. It seems to be designed to get people into the system.
4: Oh, exactly. Yeah, because they take your neck measurement, and they take your body mass, and, you know, since I've been, like, 15 years old, I've been lifting weights, and they're like, it doesn't matter. It's body mass. Body mass is body mass, and if your neck is above like a 17 they're like okay you're going for a sleep study i'm like that's insane that makes no sense how does that
0: right right not only not only was i lifting weights the whole time growing up i wrestled you know one of the muscle groups that wrestlers work on that almost nobody else does your neck
4: uh oh right we actually
0: in wrestling we actually work out those muscles in a specific way you you can use them to bridge off your back in a in a bad situation you use your head a lot to control the other wrestler's body you actually work on those neck muscles and and I got to the point where dress shirts if I had to wear a tie it was a disaster I had to buy a dress shirt that was two sizes too big to get my neck to be the right size in the shirt I mean that that Mm. but So, and body mass index is a measurement that should never be used on individuals. That was a measurement that's designed for whole groups. When you look at groups and you average body mass index, it makes some sense for some things. Looking at an individual and only calculating body mass index is horrible. I have, there have been times in my life where I had very low body fat. Um, I shouldn't say very low, but I had low under 15%, pretty low body fat under Mm -hmm. 10%. You know, usually you're talking about extreme athletes or wrestlers or bodybuilders in a competition. You get under 10%. You're really lean under 15% is very healthy. There were times where I had my body fat percentage under 15%, but on the BMI scale, I was morbidly obese. The, the scale does not work on an individual. We should never use BMI in an, on an individual basis. It, it's just meant for big group statistics, and it makes some sense there. But on individuals, you can be extremely fit, but if you have a lot of muscle mass, you're going to show up as obese or morbidly obese on the BMI scale, and it's completely the opposite. Right, I agree with you. I mean, i you know,
4: I wrestled in high school as well, and um, and I've been lifting weights for a long time. I got I got the X3 bar. I love that. I even had to go to the orange band for a few things.
5: Good,
4: but um, I've been I've been doing it for for a long time, and um, I, you know, I was in the military too, and they use the same, you know, we'll take your neck measurement, we'll take your waist measurement, and it just doesn't make any sense. And um, I don't know if that's where the FMCSA got the idea to use the same type of
0: standard, hey, but, hey, look, um, let, let's but be they real. said it doesn't, the, doesn't matter. The FMCSA didn't get their ideas from anybody except the medical community who saw uh, an opportunity to make a bunch of money. That's where all this came from. There's no real evidence that sleep apnea makes drivers unsafe. Uh, lots of human beings but, have sleep apnea. According to some people, All mammals have sleep apnea, all mammals. It's a part of how our body operates. Some people, and and I would say that it has far more to do with the standard American diet and our horrible health for a lot of drivers, do suffer from sleep apnea. That affects their sleep. We do know that. But there isn't any strong correlation between those people and more accidents. So we should go back to why are we even doing this at all, and are we doing it in a way that's effective, and the FMCSA is not. They probably shouldn't be doing this at all. They should probably just get out of this whole area, and the way they're doing it is horrible. It just leads to a big money grab by all these clinics and and medical device companies. Right. I agree with you 100%, but I got – I'm called up in it now. I, I had to set up a
4: sleep study. But the other thing I wanted to bring up with you, Kevin, is um, they said, well, you've got to go to your regular doctor and um, go get. They're like, who's your regular doctor? I'm like, I don't have one. Right. I only go to the doctors. Or, or I go to MedExpress when they're like, you know, like I cut my finger really bad. I go to MedExpress and they, they take care of it. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't go to a regular doctor, but, um, but I had to go to a regular doctor to get a referral for the sleep study, and I'm like, you can't, it makes, you know, just, why can't you give it to me, but, so anyway, I went to the, I went to the, uh, set up an appointment for the doctor nearby and went, went to go get the, um, the referral, so I said, well, just give me like a, phys- do a physical or whatever, I just really need this referral, and I had to answer the questionnaire, and they asked me, I wanted to ask you what you think about this, they asked me a bunch of questions like, in the last 30 days, have you felt safe in the place where you were at? In the last 30 days did you have enough food to eat where you were at in the last 30 days did, were you able to keep warm enough uh,
0: Who's asking This for was this? at
4: the, this This was at the medical this was when I went to go see a doctor this was um it's I go to a place where it's like a a main it's like a bunch of different doctors that are like getting their license they're like a, a resident or whatever and then there's an attending there so they, so it's like a, yeah, and they asked me all these questions, and I was like, what does this have to do with anything?
5: Unbelievable.
6: If
4: I was just coming in for a normal physical, what's all these, it's like, and, and when I went to go get blood, they had the same type of, well, no, not when I went to go get blood, it was, for the, um, it was for the doctors. But they asked me, and I had to go to the doctor for something else, like another month later, and same thing, they asked all these weird questions, and I was like, what is going on? Why are they asking all these weird questions?
0: Yeah, that is, uh. That's kind of bizarre. That almost sounds like some new part of one of these crazy DEI programs to me. Yeah,
4: maybe that's a, maybe that's a possibility. I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm I was trying to figure it out. And I'm like, maybe there's a lot of maybe there's a lot of influx of people that don't have
0: places to stay or something. There's a lot of maybe the homeless population's going up. Or yeah, I, I, I couldn't so. figure it out. You mean maybe like the 300,000 illegal immigrants who had come across the border in December? Maybe like those people might need help like this, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was kind of thinking maybe they're asking the questions for this reason. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me, um, because those are kind of ridiculous questions. Right. I mean, if you were coming in for a sore throat or something, why would
4: you ask me all these questions?
0: Yeah, I mean, it it starts to make you look, it, look, if you live in this country and you're struggling financially or you don't have enough to eat or you don't have a warm place or you don't feel safe, you have to know where to reach out for help. There's help everywhere. I have to believe that if they have to ask somebody if they need help, they're probably targeting people who are coming across the border illegally, who might not know about all these things that they could be doing to get help. Right. Well, the other thing is, too, when you
4: go to make an appointment, it's like, okay, we'll see in about a month. It's like, what? For
0: for an appointment to come in for physical? Let's think about this another way. If these clinics are actually concerned enough to be asking people... Do you feel safe? Are you warm enough? Do you have enough food to eat? If they're concerned about people who might not feel safe, might not be warm enough, might not have enough to eat, you don't have to ask anybody to try to find people. Go out on the street and help some of our veterans that are living out on the sidewalk. You don't have to ask them about Absolutely. those things. We know what the answer is there. Why don't we just put all of our energy into going out and helping the homeless vets first? I agree with you 100%. Uh, oh, I know.
4: That's, that's all I got today, Kevin. I appreciate your time. That's all we need, just, There's a lot of weird things going on.
0: There is a lot of weird things going on. Thanks for the call. Let's, uh, let's head off to California this time. TJ, welcome to the program.
7: Hey, Kevin, good morning.
0: Good morning. What are you up to today?
7: Uh, I'm feeling out here in California. Just watching all
0: these illegals cross the border. You can probably see it from your place, right?
7: <laughs> right. Well the funny thing is, like the last month that Trump was in there, there was like twenty five thousand border crossings. And then and now we've been averaging like two hundred and fifty thousand a month, maybe yeah. more, since yeah. Biden reversed all that.
0: Three hundred so thousand like, was the most recent month.
7: oh that's crazy. And then my and then my my friend's on the left, right? I start asking them about it. Like, how do you dispute these numbers? Like, how do you... What do they say? How do you go from 20,000? Well, the smartest one that I know, who happens to be one of my sales reps uh, here in California, of course, um, he said, well, that was just... It was because it was all backed up in Mexico, and all of those people were waiting in Mexico to cross. And then it's just happenstance. It was going to happen anyways. It didn't matter who was in office. The third at the border no way. was going to happen anyways. Yeah, and I'm like, "Hold on. It was 20,000 a month for like the whole last year. Trump's in there. And then you change policy and now it's 250,000 a month. You can't reconcile that, man. You can't say that all those people were going to come anyways. And anyway, well, then it ends up being, you know, we the conversation's been off in circles, so.
0: Well, let me give you my experience with mentioning this to somebody on the left. Um, when I was complaining about how outrageous these numbers are and how it's destroying our country, their response was, but the Democrats have a bill. All we have to do is pass it. Well, has anybody read that bill? Did you see what the numbers are on that bill?
7: No, I did not Here's, see it, but I'm sure it's grotesque.
0: It is. Here's how it works. All all of these Protections that they say this program would put into place would shut down the borders. What the Democrats are trying to sell this as: here are the numbers. None of this kicks in until you exceed 5,000 people a day crossing the border. Then these things kick in, so we shut it down a little bit until it drops to 3,750, 3,750 people a day, and then the program gets turned off again until we hit 5,000. That's not a solution. Not even close. Like, okay, this typical pol-
7: politicians, right? It's like throwing pork into every bill. Yeah. And then we're, why why are we negotiating over a factor that should be zero? Exactly. It should be zero, and there's and there's
0: no negotiation. How about that? And, and you know, that's what, we, it, that's what the law states. You know how we know it can be zero, that it's absolutely achievable, because Texas did it in a week at Eagle Pass. Right. Exactly. Just throw up the concertina wire, and, and it stops. And, put some National Guard troops there with scary looking weapons and zero people came across the border at Eagle Pass.
7: Yeah, it is unbelievable. And by the way, this is a, the states, like the, the governors and the states are supposed to stand up and take charge when the federal government is not doing their part. And, Which is, it, you know, so they're doing the right thing. They, legally, they have every ability to do what they're doing down there. Yep. And so the, the terrible part is, you know, now that the 25 other states or however many are signed up, why is that divided on political red and blue lines? Like, shouldn't every single state be offended and stand up to this? If they, you know, if it's politicized, like, why has it got to be politicized? Like, every state should be on board with this with Texas, period. He-
0: you would think clearly we have lots of issues that polarize us. You know, abortion's probably the biggest one. You're on one side or the other. There's not a whole lot of middle ground, and, and you can understand why on that issue. And there are other issues that are like that where it's really polarizing. For me, when I look at this issue, this should not be polarizing at all. I don't care what your political beliefs are. How do you think it's okay to allow your country to just be overrun by people?
7: Yeah, it's, it it that's exactly right. The the great thing is like the the immigrants that come before them, right? So like the Mexicans in California that have been here for 20 years, they're offended by it. Um the the black vote is like also becoming aware right, that there is like all these people coming in. So any of the any of the funds that were supposed to go to the inner city are not going to the inner city now. They're going you know they're going to this, yeah. And so everybody sees it now. But the problem is, it's not. It's still not going to be enough because the influx is just so much and so many. Um, it's. I just don't see an easy way out of this, other than to literally stop the bleeding, which means shut it down, yeah. And then start working on whatever deportation. Yes. would be like a start, but that's not going to happen because that's you know that's mean, right? So who knows how that so. But they um, need to, hopefully something will happen with
0: the state. Yeah, one more thing, and then we can move on. Uh, a friend of mine here locally I spend quite a bit of time with is from um, the Netherlands. And he, he came over as an adult and went through the system and became an American citizen the right way. And honestly, this is one of those people that if I could import about a million more like him, I would. We need more people like him in this country. He's very hardworking, very conscientious, just an all-around good human being. And here's the ironic thing. When if he says something about this border issue, people start calling him racist. Wait a minute. he. He did what we expect people to do. We have laws. We're a country of laws. We have laws about immigration. He followed those laws. He's here as a citizen, and he actually contributes a lot to our country. And who should be more pissed off about this than him? He sacrificed. He worked hard. He did it the right way. And he was rewarded for doing that. But now we just give that away to anybody that wants to walk across the border. Of course he's pissed off. He should be. Yeah, so this is the same moral
7: hazard that you know forgiving student loan debt creates. Okay, so the moral hazard is everyone else is doing it the right way, and now you're letting other people do it the wrong way. And that's the moral hazard. So now the people that did it the right way are going to think, I just got shafted. I went and paid off my college debt, and now everyone else is getting it forgiven. The next time, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna not pay off my debt or I'm not gonna immigrate the proper way. And therefore I'll be more ahead in the future. If I would have made those bad decisions, I would I'd be better off now. Now my now my wife is Canadian, you know. So here's the here's the, and she just did a green card renewal. So they they send out a letter. She applies for the renewal, they send out a letter and they say, We're so backed up, here's a two year renewal on your green card and it's just a piece of paper it's just an extension until we get our you know our our ducks in a row right so that was not even you know three weeks ago and then just now like this week or last week he received a a 10-year green card instantly like so the okay so like okay so they send out the letter saying hey you're 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 not going to get we, we're so backed up, we can't renew your thing for two years. Here's a two year extension. And then three weeks later, boom, the green card for 10 years. So the, I don't know if that's like, you know, how, how people get buy in is when you, you know, you under uh, commit oh, yeah. and then you overachieve or whatever the whole yeah. thing. So they, I think the Biden administration is good at that. I think they're good at like the way they dole it out. Like they, they don't just dole it out, they like get you, they get you a little bit prepped. And then they over, they over, over even then everyone's happy. Yeah, over deliver. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, but that was interesting. Oh, we need an extension. Oh, here's your green card, ten years.
0: Well, so. I can tell you what happened. Anybody with half a brain just looked at the millions and millions of people who have come across the border in the last couple of years, and all of those have a court date at some point to go up in front of a judge to see whether or not they can seek asylum here, whether they need to go back. And all you have to do is the math. You know how many judges are available to hear these cases. We know how many cases that are. It's going to take us about 100 years to get through this backlog. So yeah, you might as well just give a green card to the people who are already here because you're never going to be able to process them.
7: Right. Yeah, exactly. But, anyways, enough about that. I want to talk about the CMC. All right. I was actually, I, I actually do have a confession. I told your call screener I want to talk about the CMC, but I really want to talk about country motor coaches, which is kind of like CMC, but it's motor coach
0: talk. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I like that. It's CMC Day. Let's talk about coaches.
7: Yeah, exactly. Every day is Coach Day here at the Kevin Rutherford Show. Hey, speaking of anyway, which, so
0: yeah, because I, I know you're into this too. I I, I have found the uh, mobile internet solution that I'm pretty darn happy with. Finally, Starlink, uh, Starlink Plus. So I've got my Starlink, which is awesome. Then I have this mobile router made by a company called Peplink, and uh-huh. I can. So I take the mobile router, and I can put on this one I have I can put two different SIM cards in it so like AT&T and Verizon there's another one you could buy you could actually put four SIM cards into and my Starlink plugs into it and if I happen to be around somewhere where there's a Wi-Fi signal I can grab the Wi-Fi signal with this router and bond it in and it it bonds all of these signals together and you shouldn't ever get any kind of an internet drop if you get this thing set up right. Uh, it's pretty incredible. And then, on top of that, the same company sells a really, really nice external antenna for the cellular signals, so you can pull those in a whole lot better. This is a pretty slick setup.
7: So it's aggregating all these services, so then in order to have a SIM card from each of those providers, does that mean you got to have... You know, like a cell phone bill with each one of them, right? So you'd yeah. have to pay for five different
0: services? Here's the in- Well, yeah, you can pick and choose. I mean, you could put one SIM card in this device if you don't think you need two. Depends on how redundant you want your backups to be. Um, but the interesting thing is, you know, when you try to get a data plan, if, if I go to Verizon or AT&T right now, we have accounts with both, and I, I can't get good data plans. I mean, the data is really expensive, and they don't really offer an unlimited plan that you don't get throttled down at some point. So then I found these companies last year that sold a router, and you either bought it with AT and T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, and they were guaranteeing unlimited data, and it wasn't that expensive. So I tried two companies; they were total ripoffs. I, I don't know what their scam was. I, I You would get the router... You'd put your SIM in. You'd get it activated. You would get about a day or two of of good, strong bandwidth, and then you'd be throttled back. And I would call them and say, I'm being throttled, and I wasn't supposed to be. And they'd say, oh, no, you're not. It must be some other problem. And then the next couple of days, it wouldn't connect at all. And I went through with both of these companies the same stuff, and I finally canceled, which wasn't easy. This is not one of those companies that make it easy to cancel. Finally got all those canceled. This company does the same thing. I don't have to go directly to AT&T and Verizon and start an account. When I order the the router, I can have them set it up with those SIM cards for me, and and I pay them for my service, but it is truly unlimited. I, I don't know what they're doing different, but their unlimited really is unlimited, and it works. Wow. Yeah, I like that idea.
7: But on the other hand, I don't understand how any of these cell companies can stay in business with the way that Starlink is performing. Oh, I agree. So if I was a truck driver, if I was a truck driver, I wouldn't have any of those dishes or any of that, like programming. I would just put a Starlink up there and wow. flat mount it. Did- I'd flat mount it to, you know, part of my truck and, and, and that's how I would do it. I agree. Um, and Did- it's I think it's 150 a month to get the oh. RV version. And, and that that would that would be what I was gonna I, I'm gonna do
0: and I, I've said this before and I'll say it again hands down from start to finish I have never had a better experience around internet service than Starlink it's easy it's simple and it works really well yeah
7: mine mine only goes down if you park it underneath a, a tree right yeah. I flat mounted mine to the top of the coach and I put it up as high as the top of the RV units. So the RV units go, I mean, the air conditioning units, they, they go on top of the coach, right? They stick up six inches or a foot or whatever. Right. So I was worried about putting the Starlink flat-mounted onto the roof. So I took the old satellite mount and mounted it up about the same height as the, uh, the air conditioning units.
5: Nice.
7: But I don't think that's even necessary. I think that the satellites are so far up, in the sky, like, it doesn't, you can't, like, sort of mount it too low inside something. Right. Which, and the reason I say that is because the, you know, the, um, like, the Qualcomm mount that's on a lot of the fleet trucks on the back of the sleeper, that metal bracket that's back there?
5: Yeah.
7: I'll bet you dollars to donuts. A Starlink would fit right there. It'd be protected by the sleeper and the trailer, and I I would be willing to bet my next paycheck that it still gets perfect service. Even though it's sunk down a little bit lower on that, that mount.
0: You know, in the app, I'm, you've played around with the app where you can see after, you know, your, your satellite's been activated for a while. You can see any obstructions you have. The interesting thing is for just normal surfing of the web, you can have all kinds of obstructions and it still works pretty well. You know, for me, with audio, and I don't want any audio drops, I have got to make sure I've got a good clear shot of the sky. But if all I'm doing is web surfing and I'm not going to be on the air, you can have a lot of obstructions, and that thing still works pretty darn good.
7: Yeah, that's, Yeah, I guess that is the difference. Like, if you're running a radio show, you probably need to have all that redundancy, especially with those other, those other SIM cards in that device. Which begs the question, have you used that, you've used that device... And have you seen it? Can you see it switch from the, the Wi-Fi to the satellite to the, to the AT&T or the Verizon? Do you see it switch over, or does it, is that all sort of in the background? You don't get to witness it.
0: So I don't know yet on this particular system with peplink because I just haven't, I I didn't need to go in and do a lot of tweaking on the software. They, They had set it up for me to work with Starlink and they optimized all my settings and I haven't had time to go into the software yet to see what else I can do. I used to have a very, very similar setup to this. It was called a mushroom box. And it it basically did the same thing. This was 10 years ago. And in that software, I could actually watch where the the primary connection was. And I could see if one dropped that the other one would just carry on without it. You could watch all that happening in the software. I have a feeling I'll be able to once I get into this software as well. But I haven't even gone in. All I did was take this box... Out of the packaging, plug in my Starlink, insert the SIM card, wait for them to activate it, and turn it on, and it's been up and working fantastic since. So I haven't even got into the software yet.
7: Interesting. So are you working from your Washington place out in the boonies, or are you working from
0: Cascade? Uh, Right now, I'm in Cascade Locks, but this works really well for me out in the boonies, too. So you you pack it up and take it with you? Yeah, I am, I am going to set now, right now I have permanent Starlink out at the farm and I have a permanent Starlink, well I have a Starlink here at the house as well and then I have this Peplink router that adds all the cellular and the rest of it, so I'm going to set it up so, honestly my Starlink is so solid out at the farm, I've never had a drop during a show, so I don't even really need a backup out there, but I'm going to set up the home system here so that I can easily take the dish off the house, put it on the coach when I leave, take the router. It'll all be wired in, and I'll just be moving it back and forth. Um, So I'll have the same setup here at home. It will just go with me on the coach, and if I ever thought I needed a backup out at the farm, I could just carry my router out there and plug it in. Right on.
7: Hey, so regarding CMC... All right, so you're flying out there because I'm actually going, and I, but I'm taking a coach. We're taking three weeks off because it just happens to be spring break as well. So we're going to drive out there. Of course, oh, I got to leave on Saturday and try to be there by Tuesday. Well, that's be fun, a tough 700 one. miles a day. That I, yeah, let's see what these just see if these kids
0: can hack it. I I, well, I I just did that. I I technically I made it back from Louisville to Cascade Locks in three days. Uh, but I had a day and a half of sitting that didn't really count. The windstorm and then the bullet line. But as it, driving time, I made it back in three days. The first twenty-four hours, I got a thousand miles in in twenty-four hours. Wow!
7: Yeah, that's a good run
0: right there. That's a good rip, that as was they a good say. Day, no doubt. Hey, now, yeah, a. that a. place you thought in- Okay um we've got a bunch of weird things going on that week um i was i'm a little tired from my last trip and i wasn't looking forward to a big rush trip again um but lisa and Brittany, at least and maybe somebody else from the company i'm not sure are going to be down your way in orange county for a big convention down there a big natural food convention week before and then Lisa thought about driving the Sprinter across the country to get to Louisville. And then I decided, looking at my schedule, I really need to fly. Boy, it would be tempting to, to join into your convoy and drive across together.
7: Yeah, I mean, he's welcome to do so, but you know I'll be shooting video and posting it up on social media. So, no,
0: I mean, Lisa, I, I thought I might shoot down that way and ride with you.
7: Oh, well, hopefully you're comfortable with shooting video and putting it up on social media. Sure. <laughs> but yeah i mean i, I don't know what mike we, we're gonna go like we go pretty hard when it comes to driving across the country in a timely fashion so you could probably find me you know parked at a truck stop taking up two or three spots with my slides out
0: you should yeah you know the trick that i find works the best is find two open spots back right down the middle of the center line between them, and then I have plenty of room to put my slides out.
7: Yeah. No, that's what I was about doing. I, people give me dirty looks when I'm, like, walking into the truck stop, though, whenever I do that. And then in my mind I'm thinking, well, I buy a whole lot more fuel here than you do, so uh, I
0: think I rate two spots. I, I think you do, too. You know what could help with that? I, I think you would be received better if you walked in with flip-flops and a tracksuit.
7: Absolutely, I I don't I don't own those two. Actually, I did buy a tracksuit just for for a gimmick once, but I sure don't own any flip
0: flops. Come on, I'm a real trucker. Come on, you you live in San Luis Obispo. You've got to have flip flops.
7: Right? Yeah, no, I do have some, but I only wear them in the jiu-jitsu studio. I hardly ever go to the beach. My wife thinks that I don't like the beach. I like the beach. I just am very very busy working all the time. When I'm at the beach, I don't feel normal because I'm not working. Yeah, I feel like see, it's too much. Too much relaxation.
0: It's funny you say this because I've always talked about this myself. I don't get the whole beach phenomenon. Look, I love the ocean. I love you know seeing the beach and and you know walking down the beach once in a while. But the idea of going and dragging all this stuff out of a car. Onto the beach because you got to have your cooler and you got to have your chairs and you got to have your blankets and you got to have your umbrella and you have to have all the toys that you need to play in the water and on the sand. The idea of dragging all that stuff out there and then I sit down and in 15 minutes I feel completely restless. Like, what am I supposed to do now? I can go run in the water for a little while. Okay, that's fun. I can lay here and read for a little bit. Sun feels good. In another hour, I am going stir crazy. I don't get the whole beach phenomenon.
7: Yeah, that's how I am. And but what I can tell you is the kids, they love it. Like the like when the kid like my kid, I put them at the beach, and they don't. They just go. They go dig in the sand. They go do everything, and they're right. completely happy. I've right. never, I've never had a kid cry at the beach ever.
0: No, that's not, a good. I mean, point. not one of them. But but as an adult, <laughs> after about two hours at the beach, I kind of feel like crying.
7: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm, like, just looking for, now, if there's, like, a tiki bar somewhere close and I can, like, you know, get away from the, the beef and go to the tiki bar, grab a drink and go back, maybe that helps. But the older I get, the less of that I do,
0: so. Yeah, I, I'm with you on this one.
7: Hey, so, okay, so the CMC, I just signed up for the Louisville Truck Show. Okay. And I didn't I didn't see your event as an option to sort of, uh, buy Not or yet. attend or anything. Not yet. So I'm going to have to go re, re-sign up or something? To-
0: no, what what they are going to do, because we didn't make the deadline for registration, but we are working on it every minute of every day right now. In fact, I just saw three more emails about it. Um, the, I think they're going to resend out an email to, to people who have already pre-registered and say, here's another event you can register for. And then once it's up and running, and and people go to register if they're not already registered, then they will see it as part of one of the events. We just we were a little late.
7: Okay. So when we get the email, if we've already signed up, then just select and then you'll pay just, or whatever. And yeah, you, yeah,
0: you won't that. have to go through the whole registration process. You'll just register for the CMC itself.
7: Okay, cool. Yeah, I attended a couple CMCs way back in the day. I think it was maybe like the year 2012 or thirteen or something. That and sounds right. You, so those are great, well, but this, how are you, it's, it can't be a whole day. I mean, I think we did three days or something when we did them back then. So are you condensing it into one day or?
0: Um, the, the last several years of the CMC was five days. Um, I th- wow. think when you came, it was either three or four. Yeah, it's five. So here's the difference. So the event at Louisville itself is a day and a half, all day Wednesday, a reception Wednesday night. Uh, I'm just going to hang out, meet people and network uh, a half a day on Thursday. But then the program becomes virtual all year. I will be doing a virtual webinar every other week for an entire year and then the pro the cmc officially ends next year at louisville again so this is now a year-long program that is both live a hundred and, bucks and ver, no the hundred dollars is only for the day and a half at mats the okay. year-long program's a thousand and you can't sign up for that yet either okay well that sounds cool it's like a hundred bucks yeah. a month if that not quite yeah. and then you're gonna get Okay, cool. And we're even going to have a payment plan so you can pay 100 bucks a month for the year. So you pay a little extra because we need to make some money on extending credit to people. Just so you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but uh, the way I tell the story, and I'm not sure if I have all the details right, but when you came to the first CMC, you had like four trucks, five trucks maybe, right?
7: Yeah, maybe it yeah. was about... It might have been eight trucks. It was right before, about the time I went over the road. So it was after my California-only operations became over the road is when, because I found you on the road. I remember, like on the radio show with Sirius. Yeah. Yeah. So probably a, a few more trucks than that. But and then I I was still driving one of them.
0: And then you came back the next year, and I think you may have had almost double that. And then when you reached out to me here recently, when we kind of hooked up again on X. Um, I found out you had, like, up to 80. I take total credit for that, you know.
7: <laughs> well, you should. But I, I tell people there's the even time. more. Yeah. <laughs> there's even more guys that you don't know. See, I met guys at the CMC. And, I, I, they like, Luis, he had, like, three trucks at the time. And Luis, he went from, there's a company called Parkway down in San Antonio, And he was leased to them. He went to your CMC met me, and then we started concocting ideas, and so I leased him on back then, like kind of right after the CMC, yeah. and he was a, he's like a real good operator as far as what you're teaching. I'm not really a good um, operator as far as what you're teaching, uh, but Luis, he is. He built his company up to 330 trucks and sold it for, you know, a decent amount of money. Nice. Following all of your sort of a- advice or whatever. And I think he only went to one. I don't know how many he went to, but uh, maybe one CMC. I think so. Uh, I remember that him. worked out. I mean, it's a networking a networking event as well. Yeah. No, he's great. I mean, he. I mean, he just built it up. He built it up. He leased to me, and then, and then he started hauling his own freight. Um, you know, being San Antonio based, that I thirty five up to Minnesota is like highly profitable. So he started running. A lot of direct freight and also broker freight coming out of Laredo and going up to the East Coast, um, and then hauling my loads out of New Jersey back to uh, Dallas. Anyway, so yeah, so he's a he's actually a a better shining example of a uh, of a fucker than I am. We, but uh,
0: we've got yeah. quite a few of them. You know, one of my favorites. I don't know. He may have been there around the same you we were maybe he came a little later. Um he held the record for the youngest ever person to attend the CMC. Um he was so young, at, at the receptions we would have in the evenings, he wasn't old enough to drink. So he would have to give his drink tickets away to somebody else. I think he was selling them, though, because he's kind of an entrepreneur. But um, you probably have interacted with him on, on X. He's fairly active on there. Ted Johnson, he now runs a small fleet. Pretty successful.
7: Is he Nebraska-based? Yeah. Is that ne- I think he's Nebraska. Yeah, okay. I know. Yeah, I know him on X. Yeah, so I don't know. This is a great networking event um, this year. I'm trying to like do more media and more stuff. So I gotta. You're- I still have like ten trucks. I got like ten trucks that are offline right now, and I'd love to take. I, what I'll probably do is write down your, uh, you know, your methodology for inspecting trucks, and then go do that to all ten of these trucks, and find out which one of my trucks that is offline is the best sort of value for let's say, a Kevin Rutherford uh, model, and then I'm probably going to auction that truck off online. That's a online. great idea. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, not, not auction. I just misspoke. I'm going to raffle a truck Raffled. off online. Really? Yeah. Rap, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if anyone's not following me on X, go to X and follow at Darting Uphill, right, at Darting Uphill, all one word, obviously. So, uh, and, and then I'm, I, this year I plan to pick the best of my trucks, and then raffle the thing off.
0: I have an idea. Yeah, if you have one ready in time and it meets my criteria, of course, raffle it off at the CMC at Matt's. Well, I think I could
7: probably make that happen, but I my part is the the, the hardest part for me is like the setup and the marketing of the raffle because I don't I need to get lots of people involved. Otherwise, it doesn't make – not that I need to make the money on the truck. It's, I'm doing it you know, for showmanship, really. But it would be more fun the more people that buy these raffle tickets, right? And I, don't, I haven't set the price on that, but I'm thinking like 100 bucks or something. Like 100 bucks for the possibility of winning a you know, $25,000, $30,000 truck.
0: This could be a lot um, of fun.
7: I think so, yeah, so I might hit you up on the back channel just to try to get some ideas for like pushing out just the marketing material, yeah, I mean, obviously, I can post about it on social media, but uh, I'd need to do a little bit more than that, probably, just you know to see. Yeah. But I think that'd be kind of fun to do.
0: It will be reach out to me we'll we'll figure out something, but you gotta tell me one thing, yeah, where does darting uphill come from?
7: Well, darting up hill is it's it's like very, very old. Um, For me, I've had that screen name since maybe like 2010 or 12 or something. I never really used it. But the idea is that things are always hard, and the only way to sort of make it happen is to go fast. So if you got to run up a hill, you might as well dart up that hill. Like, where I came. had
0: a feeling I it was something like that. That's why I asked. I like that.
7: Yeah. Well, my, the PIN number for all my passwords is chainsaw massacre whatever so i don't know where that came from that was from like the 90s well you
0: you just made it a whole lot easier for me to hack you now.
7: yeah yeah exactly look that (laughs) one up it felt very very odd and i think i've changed it since the 90s but that's one of those that stuck with me for a long time like where the hell do you come up with these passwords and pin numbers and and uh you know these these green names some of them are hilarious. They are kind of. My hilarious. favorite on Twitter is Ultra MAGA Kevin with stolen nuclear codes. That's like the best <laughs> thing <I've> ever.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Anyhow, all right.
7: All right, cool. Well, you answered all my questions about the CMC, though, and uh, do uh,
0: motor coach talk tomorrow? I suppose we will look forward to it. We'll look forward to seeing you in Louisville. All right. Take care. You too. Good stuff. Let's go to Florida this time. Tony, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind today?
6: On a more somber note, uh, my parents are on fail.
0: Yeah. Uh-oh, Tony. We're losing you. Oh, uh, no. Oh, you're, you're back. Doing. You're back now. The last word I heard was my parents, and then you went blank.
6: Failing health. Okay. Um, and I was wondering if you had any ideas as far as, as like cutting expenses, I rent a trailer and, and like maybe suspending the authority. Cause if I, you know, stop the insurance, I don't really want to do that. Cause I've heard it's hard to get back in. I've had it a good 15 years or so. Do you think it'd be a good idea to um, do that or just keep paying and keep the trailer?
0: So, let me be clear on what you're asking. You, you need to come off the road for a while. Is that the idea?
6: Well, I've been off the road for a month, and I took like three months off last year. Yeah.
0: So you you, you need to take more time off, and you're trying to figure out how to lower expenses.
6: Yeah. And also, if you want to chime in on uh, on the whole health care situation, where it's like to the point where uh, the place where my mom is at, they're like, calling the cops on me because they know my dad has dementia for leaving him to go visit her. But it's really because they don't want me to see what they're doing to her. He's in the ER right now for blood clots.
0: Oh, well, you know, I have to ask, you vaccinated?
6: No. Oh, good. Oh wait. Well, she got the um, the first, I mean, the very first one.
0: Oh, so she is vaccinated. And And the reason I ask is because blood clots are one of the most common um, complications
6: from three years ago
0: absolutely yeah
6: yeah uh, we, i pretty we, much think it's from being sedentary from her hip surgery
0: but that's contributing but when i hear blood clots and cardio issues right now my first question is, is somebody vaccinated because it increases the odds and the severity uh, but i appreciate that but my main concern is is them
6: trying to kill her and uh so that i don't see it um, but also mainly business-wise, as as far as shutting down in the operator and even exiting the industry. I don't. I'm not a quitter, but I may have to to take care of them because they're going to go bankrupt because you know they're not covering uh, the skilled nursing that my dad needs. So I'm just going to have to stay here till he dies in order, unless, or, unless I want them to go bankrupt because it's out of pocket.
0: Uh, yeah, this is a tough situation. I mean, th- there's not a whole lot I can comment on the healthcare system because you know how I feel. If they're in the system, it's bad. I mean, the system is horribly broken. There's so many problems with that system. It's not even funny. So my only answer, and it's not a very practical answer in a situation like this, is they shouldn't be in the system at all. But but that's not really an option here at their age. Yeah, I'm trying to get them conditions. out. I know. And I have you, a direct care
6: primary physician where we're like he meets with you thirty minutes every month if you want, and he doesn't listen to the insurance company. So I'm trying to switch yeah. them over to that. Hey,
0: anything, but still like that they would, have
6: insurance and they're going to want to use it.
0: Right. Anything like that would be an improvement, but there's a lot of challenges around that. So not a whole lot of advice I can give you. Because there's not a lot of control you have over that. The the business aspect, you have all the control over. Uh, You know, this is a a more difficult situation for me to answer because it's not just a math question. You know, most business questions really just come down to math. the, The whole point of being in business is to make a profit, you know, a reasonable profit for us, whatever that means. And we do that through math. If we make this decision, does our profit go up or down? If we make this decision, do we get closer or further away from our goal? Those are easy. Um, But this isn't easy. This isn't math. This is emotion and family and lives, and um, these are big decisions. Um, Deciding. What's the math on taking my dad with
6: me in the truck? Is there some kind of law against that? I know I'd have to fight with my insurance company, but that would be a way. He would be impossible to deal with, but that may be the only way.
0: You may not have to fight with your insurance company. Lots of policies allow riders and passengers, and that's not that unusual, so I don't think that would be a big fight. I think the bigger issue is what you talked about, how difficult it might be for you, um, but I don't see any reason why you couldn't do that, and I actually think it could be a great idea. I mean, think about... We have uh, an explosion of dementia in this country for a lot of reasons. Diet is number one, but lifestyle is number two. And when you think about what we've done, our seniors become very inactive. They sit around inside most of the time, probably watching TV or or reading or whatever. It, which is really... All he wants to do is walk and goes back and forth from door to door because I have to lock
6: him in. He, he he walked to 18 miles at age 82. All I could need is some help. Like he'd be able to, you know, give me yeah. my, uh, my donuts while I'm driving instead of me having to reach for it. You know? But obviously yeah. uh, easier said than done.
0: It is, but it, if you could pull it off, I think there are a lot of positives. One, it, like you said, it's the only way you could continue to work and generate revenue, and then you don't have to think about giving up the trailer or the authority or whatever. Um, and and in his case, you know, again, when, when we stick somebody in a house inside of a building and we leave them there 24 hours a day, they hardly ever get out. There's no mental stimulation. There's no sunshine, fresh air, all those things getting him out into the world every day, the mental stimulation of being in the truck and seeing things change and and being a part of that, and you working and going in and out of shippers and receivers. And I have to believe that, and you being with him then, it's no big deal for you to take your thirty minute break and go for a walk with him somewhere and take time off when you're parked and go out and be more active with him. I think this could be really good for his health if you could pull it off.
6: Let's quick to this, uh, if you have time, I went to the stop. and um, I want you to take a guess on what they would want to charge me for my transmission link. It's the data cable that was causing it, you know, to jump out of gear, lose connection. Do you want to guess what the bill was on that?
0: I'm afraid to guess anymore.
6: Okay, that link, the cable itself was thirty-one hundred twenty-five dollars and thirty-one hundred labor, eighty-one hundred total. They got it down. uh, I was out of there for twenty-eight hundred with a. They patched it um, and and a couple of other things. They they did the AC also in that. So, but thirty-one hundred dollars for a damn wire but uh the, the the moral of the story, I took my dad with me on that trip and and he he was fine,
0: yeah, I, I think it could be really good for him. and honestly it, it it could be good for your relationship for you two to spend that much time together. Oh, yeah, I'd kill him, but it's it's better that right. I do it than the system, right? Exactly, right. It would kill him out of love
6: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I I do want to stress, though I can't stress this enough. It's terrible how they are actively seeking my death. This place that my mom is at, it's a rehab center. He broke her hip because, you know, she's frail. But anyway, they won't let me in there because they see that I can tell that they're neglecting her. She's in a pile of shit every time that I go there and and I'm making comments. So they're calling the cops supposedly because I'm not taking care of my dad,
0: but it's to hide. Oh no! There's no doubt. Are, have and we really gotten that bad? They have. Th- those kind of places are horrible. And and here's the thing: I don't know of any way to fix them. If we continue to, if we continue down the health path we're on. What we've created over the last hundred years is is we have created a system where for a while this is changing again, but for a while, every year people were living longer and longer and longer. But what we weren't paying attention to is they were not staying healthy longer and longer and longer. The stories used to be that you were upright, mobile, active, and then you died from something. And you had a very short period of time where maybe you were bedridden, if ever. You may not have ever gotten to that point. You, you lived a normal life. You were fairly active, and at the end, you die. Now, Get, give me more on okay. Well, now I was going to say, I, I was going to say people start getting sick in their thirties, but that's that's not even close to being accurate anymore because we have children under ten with diabetes. So now we actually Mm. start our infants as unhealthy. We give them 87 vaccinations in their first five years of life. And before they're 10, they have metabolic diseases already. They will live their entire life with those metabolic diseases. And by the time they're 40 or 50, they're probably going to be bedridden and need assistance to live. And we keep them alive even though they're not really living anymore. I mean, that's what we're doing with all of our seniors, and it's sad. And, and we shouldn't try to figure out how we improve care in these places. We should make it so people don't end up in these places.
6: Yeah, I know. And we're not like that. We're tennis players. he That's all he wants to do is is walk. He'll walk all day. We did it yesterday. Uh, can you give me more on, because this taking him with me seems to be the way to go, um, quite literally, on le- legality, like so, cause say I lose him at a truck stop, uh, um, someday, or or God forbid he dies on the road, uh, am I going to jail? Well, you may not an- may- be able to answer, but
0: well, I I'd, I'd love to say absolutely not. You've done nothing illegal. Everything you've done, it makes sense. It's good for him. It's good for you. It's good for everybody. There's nothing illegal about any of that. So I'd love to say absolutely not. That's insane to even think you would go to jail. Except you look around our country and what everything's going on. I couldn't guarantee anything anymore. But if it were me, I would just ignore that issue. I, I wouldn't even think about that issue. D- do what's right. Do what makes the most sense for you. And it, it is kind of looking like this might be a really viable option.
6: Well, yeah, if, if, uh, if it does come to that, I may need to borrow TJ's chainsaw. Uh, to the, to hide the body, but I don't really want anybody else to to kill him slowly like they're trying to now.
0: Um, yeah, they, well, they 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 really our system is designed to kill us all slowly. I'm having a little bit of a problem
6: with profit gauges. As if I wasn't switching topics enough, I know you can handle it, but uh, I'll I think I'll get get through that because I know you have probably got stuff to do. If not, we can talk about it.
0: Sure, go ahead. In fact, I think you're going to be my last call, so I think I'm going to wrap it up after this.
6: Well, I can definitely uh, take the entire time. I'm finally doing my 2023. I thought I'd done through May, but there was nothing in there. I'd had 2022, so it either wiped 2023 or, or what. But I went in and did all of my um, settlements. I put them all in, took Good. about eh, 15 minutes I, I uh, go to do the expenses, and it lost everything, and I had to do it again. This time I made sure that uh, I, I, I looked for every save button I could find, clicked on the year, and it, it seems to have taken some into expenses. But now the fuel is not transferring in from profit gauges. Yes, I do put it in at the pump with the discount. I calculate it at the pump. Uh, that's the way I love to do it. Uh, it's it's it, but, you know, and I'm going through and some of the entries are not what I put in. They don't make okay, sense. So There's like,
0: hold on, hold on, because yep. we've had profit gauges for a long, long time. Um, I have never, we there is no bug in the system where data disappears. None, not one. We've never, ever had that issue. Something else is going on and we can help you figure it out. All you have to do is call TribeCare and we'll work on it. But here's the lesson. Tony, there's a lesson here uh-huh the the program was designed to be used every month not just once a year so what I'm hearing is well mm-hmm. I thought I had 2023 in but maybe it was 2022 and I thought well well of course you can't remember that was a year ago you're supposed to do this every month and then you get good at it and you don't have these kind of mistakes
6: I was too busy in the left lane going 60 miles an hour passing Swift and making money to, to do it every month. And, and the lesson is also your profit gauges is so good. You don't have to do it every month. Why make us do it? It takes 15 minutes a year. <laughs> so, but I guess not.
0: <laughs> now do it every month. It, it, it's not that big deal about doing it every month. Then you have your records. Then you can compare month to month and year over year and, and you get good at doing it. It becomes easy. But the good news is whatever problems you've created, they're easy to fix. This is not a bug in the system. I promise you.
6: What about my fuel entry, where it says price per gallon zero point zero four uh, two seven six, uh, total cost seven point eight one, and I go to my receipt and uh, it's that's not it. That I can't explain because I know I didn't put that in. I, 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 For some people that are new, they they might see that, like they go to put in their first entry, and if they start with the if they start with the Total, it'll calculate it for you, but you have to go in a certain order so it doesn't screw it up
0: Correct. when That's you're doing I mean it on your phone. The, the more often you use the system, the less likely you are to make mistakes like that.
6: Yeah, but now I go back in, I'm trying to you know figure stuff out. I may just have to do it manual because I have it synced, but it's, it's $3,000 off, I, you know, like
0: 50%, I, and I see that entry where it's like $7 We'll say this about that particular issue. What you're talking about is if you use both fuel gauges and profit gauges, that they're two separate programs. But if you use them both, you have the option of syncing the data So that when you're in fuel gauges and you put in a fuel up, it will show up as a fuel cost in profit gauges. We give you that option so you don't have to double data entry. I will say it is a little more complicated. You have to make sure you do things in the right order. So if you're not comfortable with that process or you're getting mistakes, call TribeCare and they'll show you. Or you can delink them and then you just make double data entry, which isn't that big of a deal either.
6: Sounds good. Um, I'm alerting Tribe Care that there's a problem. I haven't got time to to call in with all the stuff that I've got going on. I'll figure it out.
0: If not, we will uh, uh, we'll show up at your house one day and fix it for you.
6: You know where I live. All right. Not that far from Brute, by the way. That's right. Come <laughs> on. Come on down.
0: We might just do that. All right, Tony. We're gonna wrap this up for today. I am going to get on with my. CMC presentation. You see, you know, I was kind of joking when I said um we'll show up at your house and help you, but not completely because I just looked over at my text and uh Angie is going to call Tony after the show and fix him. Uh that's what our team does. They're pretty awesome. So I'm gonna go work on my CMC material. I'm excited. I got a lot of work to do. Uh, and I will see you back here tomorrow for the power hour. Be safe